Hello, I'm Eugene Kim, and I welcome you to On Death, the podcast where we talk about death through the four prompts. I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. This week, we sit down with Jarrell Mayer once again. Jarrell is a 30-year-old follower of Christ, soon-to-be physician, and black man. Since the initial interview two and a half years ago, Jarrell has joined the workforce and is currently preparing for the MCAT to enter medical school. During this conversation, we discuss the trap of the greasy rope, why he revels in talking to other humans, and what he learned from the deaths of his grandparents, who served as his parents. Before we talk more about Jarrell and this really great conversation we have, uh, as usual, I want to talk about my long-form Sunday's posts. These are my weekly reflections on medical school from the very first anatomy lab to now, uh, the middle of interview season during fourth year, and awaiting the birth of my first son first child. So on uh, November 11th, 2018, I published On a Well-Deserved Break for My Partner. This week, I reflected on my partner, Mackenzie, joining me on parental leave. She has endured many hours in the clinic to ensure time to bond with me before baby's arrival and for her recuperation after labor. Now that we are here, I can finally relax before the time of madness. Then more recently, on November 18th, I published On a Letter from Past Self and To Future Self once again. This week, I reflected on a letter that I wrote to myself, both past and future Eugenes. I consider the year of my life, uh, the year of life that has brought me to now, and what I would say to that past Eugene. I imagine the challenges of this coming year and what I would want to hear as future Eugene. And so you can go to mnmwod.com, that's Mobility and Mindfulness Work of the Day, or mnmwod.com, to look at all of these long forms in their entirety, uh, as well as all the interviews, and uh, you can also just type in eugenehkim into your browser, and that'll just redirect you to uh, mnmwod. Or if you'd like a little bit more of a collection so that uh, you you can spruce up your bookshelf, you can go to Amazon and just type in Physician Education and these books, uh, these collections on Amazon will be the first ones that pop up. There's uh, both a Kindle as well as a paperback edition. And uh, that's uh, the, and the full title of that is On the Education of a Physician, years one, two, and three. Year four is coming up. Once I graduate, that's when year four will come up. So back to Jarrell. Jarrell is, Jarrell is a follower of Christ, a student of wisdom, and black. Before Jarrell dies, he wants reconciliation and a clear definition with his family. When Jarrell dies, he wants to leave behind a legacy. After Jarrell dies, he wants to be with Jesus. And in conclusion, Jarrell says, I hope that my life was an instrument of God's design and that my life left no doubt about what I was called here to do. My hope is that you will find the same calling for, follow, the same calling for Christ and follow that same direction. This was a great conversation. Um, that Jarrell was a, you know, in this lofty group called I called the Dirty Dozen of the first twelve uh, interviews that I conducted for this podcast. And uh, you know, listening to that first interview, which I'm appending as usual to the end of this interview. So if you jump ahead about an hour and a half, that's probably when it starts. Uh, that you know, listening to that first to one of these first interviews with Jarrell, it was. Uh, I see how much I've grown as an interviewer and how uh, how much more willing I am to dive into these subjects, especially once I have somebody when I have somebody there who is, you know, open and willing and really willing to go go do the work of uh, diving into some tough subjects. And so we 
we didn't talk about uh, on that first interview the dynamics of between him, his mother, his parents, uh, and then his grandparents who served as his parents who raised him, as well as you know with his siblings who who have stayed with his mother. So it's just all these very interesting dynamics that are unusual for me because uh, I you know I grew up in a fairly uh, Com in that in that like nuclear household, so it, the, all of these different relationships and how does that uh, impress on uh, Jarrell as well as you know I hear you know the the way that he talks and the way he interacts with the world is just so different and it's uh, part of that must be the his upbringing and part of that must be that he's just a remarkable man. And so I, I really really enjoyed catching up with Jarrell. Just uh, you know is. With, with some of these uh, catch-up interviews, I like to time them right after, you know, a big life event or, you know, once I uh, am aware of a life event. Uh, but for Drell, I just really wanted to catch up with him, see what's going on and uh, dive a little bit deeper on this interview so that when something does happen, when, when life moves on, uh, we have a little bit more of ground that we covered rather than that first initial interview when I was still figuring out how to do this podcast thing. So uh, I hope that you are really uh, ready to to dive deep with Jarrell. This is a great conversation, and um, I think that you'll really enjoy it. He's a he's a very thoughtful thoughtful fellow, and I, I really enjoy talking with him. So I hope that you have your water, coffee, walk, whatever you're gonna do uh, as you listen to this really lovely conversation with Jarrell Mayer on death once again. It is October 13th, 2018. I'm sitting here in my Coopersburg home, and Jarrell Mayer is sitting in his Naples, Florida home, and we're going to be talking about death through the four prompts. Jarrell, what are the four prompts? The four prompts are I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. Excellent. And how do you finish that first prompt, I am? So... Within, with our last interview, I said I am a follower of Christ, and that was my primary, uh, in the concentric circles, was my primary main, uh, main point, and that is that has not changed. I am still a follower of Christ, and I still see that as my identifying role here um, in my life in, in this, on this plane. I feel like this is who I am uh, in my existence. So um, that, who I am as a follower of Christ, is it, it penetrates it permeates every part and every decision that i'm making um it, it affects my relationship with others it affects inwardly my relationship with myself it affects how i how i think how i act um and every part of my my being is, is affected by my main identifier who i am mm. and um we talked before the interview started a little bit about your uh, journeying to find a new church here in Naples. Um, but I also wonder how has your relationship as uh, with Christ and as a follower of Christ changed in the, in the intervening two years since our last interview? The, the hope and concept is that within two years, you're growing. Mm -hmm. Someone identified the Christian walk um, as a greasy rope. <laughs> You're either moving up or when you're, because when you stop, you're sliding down. You're either moving up or sliding down because there's no like standstill, right? You're either progressing forward or you're sliding down. Um, and in the two years, I, I know there's been growth and I know I've been moving forward, but there were places where 
I were definitely difficult. And I was, and I was wondering why. And that is what told me that I needed to get back in community because I was not, I moved, when I moved to Naples, I was in Tampa, I moved to Naples and I was out of community for quite some time. And I recently found my church. Um, but my, my need for community, my need for to follow the, the call for community to be in that with the believers of faith, then, uh, it has really helped me to grow. And that season of where I started to see um, myself as, uh, you know, I started to think neg- more negatively about myself as a trait of mine. Um, I started to uh, question my career, my future. I uh, found myself, um, just my, my overall outlook on who I was as a, as a man wasn't, wasn't aligning with, with who I knew myself to be. And that experience um, was was rough, but it it ultimately brought me back to Christ because again, not that I not that I was uh, would ever call myself a non-believer during that time. It was just very difficult, a very difficult time period where I was questioning God, where where are you? What's going on? And a lot of those questions stopped after I was able to humble again, humble myself, and uh, and and go where He's been calling me this entire time. Mm. Yeah, I like I like that greasy rope because it's uh, it is very true. You're either growing or decaying, and um, sometimes there is there needs to be a season or two of decay in order to really get to that next level of growth. Like there's these stories about these you know plants or fungi that um, spend so long dormant, and then all of a sudden they're able to to blossom into a mushroom or or like shoot up into the sky as a plant. But uh, that that those like it's not like having the idea of like constant, steady, like economic growth is like really uh, it can be really hard because you need these times of like waxing and waning and, and like a little bit of breath here, a little bit of exhale there um, to really allow for everything as a whole. Like if you're talking about concentric circles, like not allowing one thing to get too oblong, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right, yeah. That's I growth you're going to go through it. So why not? And, and, and you're going to go through some decay as well. Mm-hmm. So the, the important thing is to learn from each of those experiences. Nothing, I, I don't feel like, you know, I don't feel like anything needs to be thrown away. Um, you, you, you either take it as a learning experience or you're going through it for the first time. And, you know, you're finding out more about yourself. Mm. And so it sounds like community has been the biggest lesson for for you for the last two and a half years um, was just like the importance of it and how much stock you should put into that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely been a huge factor for sure. And um, and I and I've been able to grow because of that. And, and again, I've I've been very appreciative of the, of the knowledge that I learned, and I'm appreciative of the people that I had in my life considered my community but more far away um that were calling me out they were able to call me out on this so, <laughs> if you don't have friends that are calling you out they are not your friends i'm, I'm gonna let you know that right now my my closest friends that again i call family i they they call me out bro you're wrong you're wrong and they tell me why i was wrong uh they show me grace though in that so it wouldn't be like <laughs> you're wrong and you're 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 stupid for thinking this is like no hey let me talk to you in love and grace and let me know and let me tell you why you're wrong and let's talk about you in the process of becoming right Mm. okay and so we talked a lot about um about the 
about the community, but let's talk about what you've gained and what you've given to the community. Cause that was something we also talked about, like, uh, the, like the, this classic, like what, not, that's not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Right. And so what, uh, what, how, how has that give and take been with this new community that you found in Naples? Still growing in it. It's, it's still a very new thing. So, um, what it looks like in the future is going to have this process of becoming a member of the church. So with that membership, you're just saying, and usually it's like a contract you're signing and everything um, in your, at least in most modern churches, that's when you have a contract. It's literally saying you're committed to being in this church and you're committed to um, serving in the church and, and abiding by the rules that we have here. And that if you're, you know, if you're struggling or anything somehow, that we'll talk about it. Like, so you, you're committing yourself to saying that, hey, listen, I'm committing myself to what, you know, what these beliefs and alignments are with Christ. And then on top of that, if I'm out of line, then I'm also giving these people the right to talk to me about it in love and to correct me. And, uh, and which is, I mean, which is a beautiful thing. I mean, I'm literally, you know, growing, they're telling me to grow with them in family. And then they're, they're asking me to give them the ability to correct me if they need to, which, which is a beautiful thing if you're in the right community. Mm-hmm. All right. So to answer your, to more answer your question, because it's so new, it's that process of membership, and then eventually the process of service. So whatever they need, they're in. We're we're studying. We're right now. The church is in a uh, is in a school. So that may look literally like tearing up and setting setting up and tearing down the facility. That may look like uh, going on different uh, retreats. They had Publix Day um, a couple of weeks ago. Where they would, they actually stocked up on Publix goods and they put it in a uh, in a warehouse. And every in, in every so often, that warehouse opens up and feeds the community that we live in here. So it looks different. Every it always looks different, but it looks like service. Very cool. Okay, and so. Um... Yeah, I can definitely see that that you, you as a follower of Christ has not changed much, but it has changed in some ways in uh, in like what your priorities related to that. I think that's really important. Um, what else? How else do you finish the prompt? I am. I am. So I'm still a student. I think last time we talked about you know how I was uh, a student more literally because I was in school, and and more in an abstract way, I was a student of people. Still love people. Believe it or not. <laughs> I love talking about people. Uh, when I when I say talking about, I mean like talking about new new things in their life. Talking with people, I should say, um, and uh, and talking and, and finding out new things about you know people that I didn't know and 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 how how their life has been. People's lives are interesting. I think we there's no way we can experience everything in life. So if we take the opportunity to really engage and talk with other people, essentially, it's like living their life you know living a life through their eyes and so much good can be taken from that so i still love talking with people and you know talking about their experiences Mm. and so what i guess have are there any lessons that have uh stood out to you over the last two and a half years in terms of what you've learned about people or what um your uh role as a student is of people so what that has revealed lately, uh, and I've really been dwelling on that, is like this: the ability to talk to people and love people. Um, believe it or not, is, is is a gift. Like not everybody can talk to somebody and, and wants to talk to people, and I, I find that unusual. But you know, I would never you know scrutinize somebody who's you know an introvert. 
Um, I think it's just a characteristic, but it's something so crazy to think of something I love and enjoy so much that it, it doesn't come naturally to other people. It's sometimes it, it escapes me. Um, and so what that has done in the past two years is it has, it has, if this is a gift, it's really helped me to think about how I can use this. Gift. How can I, how can I use this gift to lift people up, to, to encourage people who benefit off of the things that they're telling me, the wisdom that they're offering me. And so I've been actively trying to sounds very abstract, but I've been actively trying to use my gifts for people, um, develop it and, and use those gifts even more. And I don't, I don't, I don't know what that looks like at, at all. And I'm still going through that process, but I'd love to use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, before we started the interview, you, there's a, you know, as the interviewer, I try not to talk about myself too much because it's, you know, it's about you, the interviewee. Uh, but with you, Jarrell, it was very, it was just, it's a very, it's the way that you ask questions about me is just so earnest and honest that I'm just like, yeah, let's, yeah, okay. Yeah, I can tell that you're really interested. Like, they're not asking for the for the politeness or the, the ping pong uh, passing it back, but it's really just like, you're really interested. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's do this because it's fun. And, uh, you know, within you know, just from your love of conversation and uh, discussing with people, I, you know, I see, I'm calling it now, I see a future psychiatrist in you somewhere. <laughs> let's go, let's go, I'll take it, I'll take it. But uh, you got to pave the way, you got to show me the uh, pioneer and let me know what it's about, like know, know the process so I don't maybe have to take the hard road, I can take the easy road that you took, or through you. Yeah, the, uh, it's just fun because, uh, you know, as as somebody that's planning to go into psychiatry, I've I've realized like um, like uh, a surgeon has their hands, you know, their hands are are their tool, and and like they use the hands to cut um, or stitch things together, and the um, the internist has like their thinking mind of um, like what are the comorbidities, what are the the problems that this person has, and how does the pathophysiology, um, how do we need to address it on a fundamental level to make them better. And then for a psychiatrist, uh, yes, it's the mind, but it's mostly like the mouth. It's like the 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 voice box, and really be getting into that like level of communication. Like my like my like oropharynx is my surgeon's hands. <laughs> like uh, it's just a very interesting thing to realize. Like I could be laying down and be almost as effective as a, a practicing physician as I you know, you know what I mean? It's just very, it's very interesting. And like, I can practice for a very long time because it's just my ability to talk, converse that will make me a successful and effective psychiatrist. And what an effective psychiatrist you will be. <laughs> Thank oh you. God. That's your, I, I love those uh, analogies that you put. So, um, that's, so you as a student, um, of of people and of learning in that way but there's also another way that you're planning to be a student right more literally yes absolutely so that means that um uh like i'm going to take this mcat in like about six months and it is uh so i'm learning now what that means to really to believe that you can do it um our belief our our thoughts about ourselves um are so powerful and I mean, they are just the most powerful things. You are the only person that you will spend more time with you than anyone else on the planet. Mm-hmm. I mean, wanna, even if you're married to the person you got married at 18 and then you live your entire life for those 18 years prior to, you know, you were, you were with not that person. 
uh, even with your parents, you could live with them forever. Um, you still will have times where you're not with your parents. Um, and, and so I spend the most time with myself. And in that time, I'm feeding myself, or I was feeding myself negativity. And I did not notice how much it affected my entire life. The way I treat people, the way I think about people, the way I think about the outcomes and circumstances within my life. And my goodness, it, it, even now, and it's like, it's not a perfected craft. It's something that I'm working on daily. Mm -hmm. uh, but it has been, um, it has been such a journey to learn about myself and to learn. So within that six month period of, you know, of learning and studying, my, my mindset and goal is to think and know that I can complete this task and not only complete it, but, but the thrive in the task of, of studying and, and carry out an excellent score on that task. So, um, I, I think I'm glad, I mean, Eugene, you're in med school. You're, you're about to finish up very soon. And I mean, could you imagine what life would be like, uh, if you did not, if you went into every single test thinking that you could not do it, mm -hmm. um, into your future thinking that you, you don't deserve to be here and and not only that everybody i think has that sometimes oh man i really don't deserve this but it's like a continuation of like i don't deserve anything good or i'm not going to do anything good like i don't i don't know if you could have succeeded with that mentality mm -hmm. so that's what i have been uh, learning in the past few months how to learn and how to apply the positivity of knowing for sure that i can do anything that i'm put willing to put my mind to anything that i've been called to mm. And then I also, um, we, we talked a little bit about, um, you, so you've, you, so you were a student when we had previously talked, you were, um, I think in neuroscience and aging, is that correct? Or something along those lines? Well, correct. Yeah. And, uh, and then you, now you're in the kind of the workforce, but you're preparing to be a student again, uh, more literally. Yeah. Um, how has this time in the workforce, um, you know, doing the job thing, getting the paychecks, getting insurance through your employer, like all that kind of stuff. How has that been, um, uh, for you? Uh, like what, what have you learned from this experience and, and why are you so not eager, but like, why are you so ready to transition back to a more literal student? Well, Eugene, first, I got to thank you for being so transparent. Right before we actually started the show officially, I mean, you were so transparent with me and you've always been transparent. Um, so I, I, I definitely wouldn't mind being transparent with you. But with the reason why it was just like my I didn't feel called to what, I, what I'm doing. And, and so I, it was such a, a strange experience. I've never actually had a career ever in my life. Mm -hmm. And. I started a career and I started getting, like you said, that paycheck and that, you know, that, that health insurance and all this other cool benefits and everything. And I made more than anybody in my family. And, and, and again, my, my growing up, my grandfather was a police officer in you know, New York and, you know, my, my mom, she, she, you know, did insurance and stuff for, for a little bit. And then, you know, it's like, no one ever had a career like mine that, you know, who, that, you know, went through the education. I was also the first one in college. And so um, it offered me security, financial stability that I never felt that I had. Uh, and again, we talked before about since my grandparents died, I had security there. But after they passed away, after initially after my grandfather passed away, I no longer had that financial stability um, or emotional stability after that. It was more like, you know, having to edify yourself more you know, it was hard. It was always more difficult. So I got to experience something that I hadn't felt for years. Mm. 
but even in that, I was putting a lot of my hope and my faith in, in, in the fact that I was stable, but I'd noticed that stability means nothing. I mean, I could, I mean, I literally, I could have gotten in a car crash and, you know, been unable to work and, and not had any stability going in or, you know, um, gotten fired or whatever the case is. So with that stability and that feeling of security that I had, it was momentary because I knew that I was putting my faith in something that, you know, today and gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But very, very new and extended, a new thing. And, and I think a, an educational one because whatever I'm doing, I don't want to do it for the money. I want to do it because, uh, because I've been called to it. I don't want to in careers like I don't. I don't want to take up a career that's going to make me uh, regret going every day. I want to do something I love and enjoy. So we talked about that push pull, the pull to do something I feel called to. Um, far outweighs anything that I could have ever experienced or anything that I could ever desire in a regular career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I worked um, before uh, medical school. I worked for about a year and a half at Dana Farber as a research coordinator for lymphoma studies, and I was just in the I was in the cubicle under the fluorescent lights on the chair, talking, you know, standing up, getting coffee, like BSing with my fellow coworkers, and it was just such a weird time in my life that I I forget uh, what. I forget how Eugene was back then. And it was just such a very weird Eugene uh, versus now that where I'm like kind of, you know, in, in this weird flux of medical school, but at least I'm like, I feel like I'm more like, Oh yeah, this is like the environment that I need to grow into the person that I want to be. And uh, yeah, the, the steadiness of the paycheck is nice, but it's also, it can be so uh, you know, like you're talking about the, the greasy rope. It, It can allow you to feel like you're staying still, but you're really just, cruising down right yeah that's cool that you you identified that even back then and it I, man that's really cool that contrast it's awesome mm-hmm. and so you are a follower of christ you are a student what else is on that list so with that student I, i'm also a student of wisdom i think we talked a lot about that so um thinking and applying the wisdom that, I, that i've i've seen and like knowing that you know, I'm beautifully and wonderfully made and that I'm made in the image of God and, you know, just, you know, negative talking has no place in my life um, and learning from others. So I've really identified that about, about myself to, to be able to, to be a student of wisdom, seeing all the things that I desire um, and being able to mold my life or put myself in the situation of my life where I can apply that knowledge. I heard a sermon the other day and he was just talking about um, being the person that you want to be now. Um, he was like, uh, he mentioned somebody that, you know, a couple that was like, or a person that said, oh, uh, relationship goals. They saw an older couple and they were, you know, flirting and they were, you know, they, they were just loving each other's company. And you, you could tell that they, you know, they, they loved each other. And everybody sees those couples and they're like, oh, that's sweet. I want to be like that. And he, he was saying, and then he's like, well, how have you been to your husband? Is that, are you doing that now? Is that, is that something that you're carrying out now to even have that in the future? And that applies to more examples of other things. And it's like, what are you doing now to be that person you want to be in the future? Mm-hmm. So if I'm an organized individual, I have to start documenting a lot of things. I have to start documenting my plans and, and planning out my life. I have to start being a better uh, steward of my time. I have to be a better, uh, if I'm going to utilize my time, effectively um you know i'm gonna have to say saying yes to something means saying no to everything else mm-hmm. so what am i willing to sacrifice how am i willing to 
to use my time when I'm talking with people and they're saying things to me and I'm applying it to my life. So a student of wisdom, I think, has been a huge, awesome thing that I've been I've been able to really um, carry out or, or more or less apply in my life. Mm. And I guess, um, like, how do you identify wisdom? Like, how do you know that what you're studying or what you're learning is wisdom versus knowledge? And like, how how do you seek that knowledge, that wisdom out? So I I, I can try to cont- or I contextualize knowledge as something I've gone through. Okay. Uh, Okay. So knowledge is something I've, I've, I've done already. And I'm like, oh, I have a knowledge of that. I know that I'm not supposed to go here. Or I'm not supposed to do this. I'm, I have a knowledge of touching a hot stove. So I'm not going to, I can tell you, Eugene, if I know the stove is hot, I'm not going to touch it because I know it's going to happen. Um, but a wisdom is learning from the knowledge of others. So I don't, I don't want to experience everything, but I do want to have a wisdom of everything so that I can see and perceive. Um, also, the Bible is very clear on asking for wisdom. To the one that gives it actually describes you know the foundations of the earth being created and wisdom being there and i, I thought that concept of, of, the, of the, the way that proverbs describes wisdom and gives it more of a humanistic character um is just amazing and the fact that like this this idea and concept of wisdom has been from the foundations of the world and that's what i want i want that same foundation of knowing and, and and also this description of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So how do I practice my faith in such a way that I'm able to um, begin my wisdom and begin the growth of who I want to be in carrying out this life? Mm, good stuff. Yeah, good question. So, <laughs> so uh, what else is on that list? Last thing on that list, I, I do still... Um, I don't know if you're if people are watching physically <laughs> you know, being black. I do still identify. I haven't changed in that area. Pigment still the same. I still identify as a black man. Um and I, you know, that's that's huge. I I used to um you know it's not not even used to. I still sometimes go to places where I feel um eyes on me. I feel like out of place, especially in Memphis. There's a lot of there's a lot of um there, there, there's a lot of people with financial prosperity here. Not that being, you know, having, you know, not that ha- having money is a bad thing, but we have, there's a lot of people here. Uh, the place that I work with, I drive up to is like, you know, you, it's nothing to see a Rolls Royce, you know, every single day um, or nice new cars, a newest car on the lot. You know, you're going to see that. Um, so there, there are certain times when I feel out of place because I get the looks like, what are you doing here? Or like, what are you, I still get those looks. And, uh, but the thing is though, I've learned to uh, embrace those looks, embrace those concerns because it's always like, as a black male, like people may have a perception or misconception of what that means. Um, And so I'm, if I'm, if I'm the, one of the people that they're coming encounter with and I'm able to shatter some of those misconceptions, that's a benefit that's a win mm. yeah because i was going to ask you like does it would that weight of like almost representing what a black man is would that weigh on you and it sounds like you you take it not as the weight but as the opportunity yeah yeah for sure it's it's definitely um it's it's definitely a, a great opportunity i mean i i'm able to go in different circles and that allows me to like many different experiences um 
And so there, there, there's people that I've talked to, and I do not speak for the entire black race. I notice now on TV, there's one person that's talking, and people are like, that's how all black people think. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, uh, I've had friends that have grown up in just an all black community, and that's all they know. And it's like, there's so much more. And uh, I think that I've been blessed to be in a spot where it's in you know, certain areas and pockets of Naples, there are like just different diverse groups, and I'm able to see that. And, uh, you know, and don't get me wrong, even in black communities, I'm, I'm able to go there. And it's, it's not always welcoming there either. It's like, oh, you're a sellout. You're an Uncle Tom. You don't look and act and talk like us. And you get that too. So there's always, there's misconceptions on both sides of people who are black and who are not black. And uh, being able to like radically change the concept in, in either side is, I mean, I think it's, I look at it as something like I, I identify um, as something that's a benefit because we're not all the same. Um, and I think that each of us brings something awesome and new to the table. Mm. And I remember uh, during our previous interview, you had mentioned, and I don't even remember what was happening in 2016 at this point, but you're like, you know, it's, it, you know, being a black man in 2016 is such a, w- a wa- wacky thing, you know, and uh, like, how to, like with the past two and a half years, now we're, uh, you know, we're on the uh, cusp of 2019. Like, what is it? What does it mean to you to be a black man? Man, it's it is uh, it's interesting to say the least. I I see that I think that the I think that the media has, has created a very polarizing situation, meaning that you have people that are either um, for something or greatly against it. And what that means for me is I have an opportunity to see both sides and maybe surprise both sides with the stance I take. Because again, there may be certain um, individuals who are black that say, me being black is my essential identifier. And everything about that, about me being black, that's what it's about. And I'm gonna surround, and everything outside of that is going to resonate with the, with me being black, which I think is great to be proud of the culture that you have, uh, whatever culture you're in, um, uh, to a point of like, uh, you know, thinking you're superior. I think that, you know, I don't think that that needs to be exercised at all. I mean, I think that we are, we as people, you know, there's, there's good and bad and all, all of that. But as long as you're not to the point where you're like, homophobic or, you know, really considering yourself greater than another people group, that's, I don't, I don't agree with that. But I think that in today's, in 2019, we're, we're, you know, we're going into a time when we're so polarized. And I think that the ability to see from both sides, is, is a benefit and a value and um and and i'm able to talk to people that are like extremely what you would call conservative um and and like actually ask genuine questions i'm like why do you feel this way and then on the other side you know people who are extremely on the liberal camp that are saying oh well this is just supposed to be you know and i've and i've talked to people that are like oh well you're black so you're supposed to believe this this and this i'm like whoa you know it's like all right well let, like the truth is rarely on the left or on the right, but somewhere in the middle where you can where you can talk and have a dialogue with somebody mm-hmm. in, in that area. Um, but I feel like today's day and today's day, um, in today's day, you don't you don't get that as much. There's it's either left or right, nothing, there's nothing in the middle, there's no compromise, there's no um desire to see somebody else's point of view. Mm. And um what is a way 
that you can think of recently that you had that opportunity to kind of change somebody's perceptions about what a black, who a black man is? Um, you know, if, uh, I, I'd say with one of my, with one of my, um, one of my, my friend's dads, he is, uh, he's a, he's a super, super conservative. And, um, and again, nothing wrong with that. I think that conservative values are, are, are something not to be, you know, made fun of or scoffed at, but respected by people. If you have the, you know, individual values, just like other people have values, you know, I think it's nothing to make fun of anybody about, but I was able to have a dialogue about him and, uh, with him, um, you know, when it came to like education and, and affirmative action. So he, you know, he was on the, he was on the, the, the camp of like, you know, oh, you know, I think that the best person should get the, you know, the very best on, you know, whatever, um, that there should not be certain, you know, slots for, for people of, you know, specific color, because we're all, because we're all equal, we don't deserve anything. And I think that progressive, like, okay, well, we are all equal. The playing field isn't always equal. So what are some ways, instead of saying, I think this would happen, I was, I was more, you know, asking him, what are some ways that, we could, if you do believe, if you can at least agree that the playing field may not be equal, may, may not, not that it isn't, but may not be equal. What are some ways that we can get past this? What do you think are some ways? So I think that was, we were able to take that and go somewhere awesome with it. He's an amazing guy. Um, and uh, and uh, I, I love, love our conversation. So that those are always fun. I look forward to them. Good. So you are a follower of Christ, you're a student and student of wisdom, and you are black. Uh, what else is on that list? That's it, man. That's it for that list. Gotcha. And so I'm having trouble, strugg- I'm struggling with where to place this conversation that I wanted to have uh, about your grandparents um, and what it was like to be raised by them. Um, and I'm not sure if you want to slot that in, you know, when we talk about the passing of your grandfather, or if you want to talk about it now, because I sort of see, you know, I am as almost like the present and past. And before yeah. I die, I want to be the future. Um, and then, you know, then the tunnel of death over there. But I'm not sure where you want to throw it in. We can we can literally throw it in anywhere. If, if specifically Specifically, sorry about that. I think that specifically, we can do it like uh, before I die, or when I uh, when I die, I want like that legacy part. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna leave a legacy. I think my grandfather did leave a legacy, um, and then um, or before I die, you know that family they be taken care of. You know, we can wherever you want to do that, and I'm willing to talk about it. We can start it off or segue into it wherever well, let's, let's transition to that next one then like before i die i want how do you finish that and let's throw the family in there somewhere um so before i die last time we talked about reconciliation um and so i do want that i do want reconciliation you know i do want the people my loved ones my close family and friends i want to make sure that there's nothing i'm leaving behind um i want to make sure there's nothing that i'm leaving behind that would ever make them feel as though I did not love them and care about them. And I think that's uh, what my grandfather did. So mm-hmm. going into my grandfather, I lived and grew up with my grandfather. And my my mother was not in the picture um, simply for the fact that she was uh, my 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 older brother, my older sister lived with her, um, but she ended up getting married. Um, and I ended up just moving with my grandparents during that marriage. It wasn't something I really 
you know, thought was a good, you know, as a kid, you know, what do you know? Like, I, I knew I, I wanted to live with my grandparents and um, they, my grandfather only wanted, he, he only wanted us to live with them. I mean, he was like, yeah, I never wanted you to leave. So, um, <laughs> well, cool. It was, uh, and as you mentioned before, it was difficult seeing him pass because I feel like I had time stolen away from me. Um, I didn't feel like I got all the questions I wanted answered. Um, and not that, you know, not that we ever, you know, uh, not that he would have, you know, given me some kind of, oh, this is this and it's going to work out perfectly. But the, the wisdom that he had, like, you know, he didn't teach me how to drive. He didn't teach me about dating. Um, he didn't teach me about buying a house. He didn't teach me about um, being married and what it's like to be a husband officially. I did get to view some things. Um, and so, like, when I say teach, I think his lifestyle led a, 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 led a great teaching lesson. But there are always questions, particular details that you want to ask. And when I'm, now when I'm older, I, I see these things and I'm like, I want to ask, you know, what were you like at 30? What, what obstacles did you overcome? What, what are some things that you went through, you know, or in this situation and I can't answer them? I couldn't ask them even early on. You know, it's like a, a, just with me being young and not being mature enough to really ask those questions. And then, so I, I think going into like, you know, before I die, I want, he left, he, he left with family being around him and, and a desire to, you know, to want to be with family. And that's, I guess that's what I want too, is the reconciliation and a desire to be with family. He put family first and everything. And that's what I want too. Mm. And so I have a couple, a uh, couple clarifying questions for you. Um, it sounds like you're like, how old was it when you, when you left, uh, when you kind of split with the, the rest of your uh, nuclear family to go live with your grandparents? I was about eight. I was about eight years old. So I, we grew up together in the same household growing up. And then um, when my mom got married, I was about eight when that, when I went here to New and then from there, my grandfather passed away when I was um, when I was in a freshman in high school. Oh. So that, yeah. So you had what um, on the order of like six years with him? Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. I guess so. It's a well, whatever whatever eight was before. I think it was more like well, again, growing up, like so, I always had him up to about like. I think I was about 15 because he, he was always in my life before that. Gotcha. So, yeah. So when, when he ended up moving, it was about like a, a few months of like where I didn't live with him, but he was still local around. So it's not like it, he wasn't, wasn't there. So I, I had about until 14 or 15. Okay. And then um, what, I guess, what did you identify as an eight-year-old where you're like, this is not an environment that I want to put myself in, or like I would rather stay where uh, with the grandparents. So the guy that my mom was with, he wasn't a good person. He, you know, this guy was just bad news. He was a, a former addict and just like, um, and that's only where it's like, oh, where, you know, I've, I've, I've grown out of my past ways. It's something that, you know, you could tell he wasn't of good standing. And, um, but, you know, what, for, for whatever reason, my mom decided to continue forward with that relationship. And, you know, the, I knew that my grandparents didn't like him either. Mm -hmm. um, that was it. And so 
um, I knew that I knew that I wanted to be with my grand. They showed me they did action, the action of love, as opposed to just like the the saying of love. So that's really where you know, I wanted to be where I was most loved. Mm, that's an important thing. And as an eight year old, if you knew that, that's pretty, pretty cool, <laughs> pretty advanced, you know. Um, and I wonder how has uh, your relationship with your mother um, your, it sounds like your stepfather and your siblings, how has that changed as a result of that decision? I think it, I wouldn't be the man that I am now if I hadn't grown up with my grandparents. Mm -hmm. So, um, my, my relationship with my mother is one that is, is functional right now. Um, <laughs> that's a very specific word to choose. <laughs> <laughs> It means that if she calls my phone, I'm going to pick up and we're going to have a conversation. It's going to be a good one. No, it's, it is, uh, we don't spend as much time together and it's unfortunate um, that we don't spend en enough time to, like that we want to. Um, but I also, but I'm also able to take past experiences and, and the healthy thing for me to write right now. And I think the healthy thing for both of us is to maintain a good level of distance but a healthy level of distance. Uh, of distance. I still, um, I still believe being a follower of Christ. It, the Bible tells us to honor our mother and father. So this means to put aside any anger or bitterness that I may have against her, um, and that means that I, I want to honor her. And I think that honoring her means that I'm, I'm, I'm talking with her, and I'm, I'm, you know, uh, I'm engaging in conversation. I'm being, you know, um, a son to her as, as you know, as I feel that I should be so, um, and and with that, my siblings. I haven't had the the, the best relationship with my siblings, um, being that they've been far away. So, but we are are all completely different. You wouldn't be able to like. I mean, completely different. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, so, um, you know, my, I, I'm. They grew up in Bradenton, Florida. It was a little bit more hardcore there um so you see the, the dynamics of you know how, especially with my sister she really endured a lot being with my mother and her moving around even more you know um see the dynamics of, of her life and how how difficulty has made her um so much stronger uh and and just a beacon of, of strength there um and whereas my life you know you see the, the importance that my grandparents placed on um, on faith and on um, and on education, and that allowed me to go to be the first one to go to college and uh, and to and to pursue medicine. So very different dynamics. Very, it sounds like. And you know, talking about the importance of education and religion, I still like. I'm just still still so in love with the fact that your grandmother taught you to read using the Bible and using Bible verses. It's still just it just warms my heart every time I think about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is your grandmother currently alive? No, she she's not. She passed away about six years ago, mm -hmm. um, and that was that was tough because that was an unexpected death. Mm -hmm. So, um, and when I say unexpected, I mean she was going in for a heart surgery, and you know you you're there's no guarantees with heart surgery. Mm -hmm. But it went from you know her not having too many issues. She was a diabetic and. You know, um, but that's really it. Like, you know, then we find out she had blockage. 
then, you know, we need to do a surgery immediately. So from within a month, it went from, you know, hey, we need to do a test. Hey, there's some blockage. Hey, we're scheduling surgery. Um, and so that was a, a very quick, um, I mean, it, it just happened so quickly. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it was so crazy to see her go because for, she was my, she was, she acted as my mother. She was my stand-in for my mother. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was there after my grandfather passed away. And that's all I had left to of the, of the parental unit. Mm-hmm. You know, over there, it, um, I was numb for a little bit, meaning that it just, it, it seemed so surreal. There were times I looked at my phone and like, you know, or, or just woke up from, you know, from a nap or from sleeping. I was like, man, I haven't called my, I haven't called mom in a while. I need to see how she's doing. And coming to the realization, wow, you know, and that, that's an experience that um, I think people, we all go through that build bonds, but it, it was definitely something that, that I wouldn't wish on anybody. Mm. <sighs> that's tough. And uh, that's that, especially the, and so we talked a little bit about this before the interview, but just the, you know, having the uh, the grandparents and the parents and sort of the same person, but having them be on that older generation is, it's, that's like almost the risk is they have that wisdom and they have that like learned experience and they've, you know, they've had, they've gone through enough but they're also that older generation where, you know, things can creep up and things can happen that you do not expect. And um, I don't even know, like what, uh, how, this is going to be like an unanswerable question, I feel, but like, what is it, how did it feel to like have, you know, your maternal figure, your grandmother pass unexpectedly, but then have this actual maternal, like your actual biological mother still present, but not in your life so much? Yeah, that's, uh, that is, that was the question. It was, um, I think it, it led to a little bit of hardship because, um, I was desiring, I think I still desired the maternal figure. Um, and I was thinking about someone who, um, who couldn't give it at the time. And, and so, uh, it, uh, that, that caused a strain in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was difficult going, you know, transitioning to that. Um, you know, I think sometimes ultimately, you know, if you have a bond severed, it's better to have it completely severed. Meaning that, you know, I lost my my grandmother, who was essentially my mother. And then, you know, having my, my mom there, and the expectations were there and they weren't met. And it's like, you, you almost, you know, it's like, such a strange feeling you you almost like it's a when your mother passes it's like that's it your mom's gone mm-hmm. and so you you get this move on you get this like acceptance and you're able to grieve and do that process which i, I did for my grandmother because it was clear but then it's like when your mother's around it's like okay well and it was very a, a very difficult uh experience but ultimately, it allowed me to, to create a functioning relationship with her once I, I realized, you know, I, I guess there, and there are certain cases where I was wrong to expect something, um, you know, and putting on responsibilities at, at, a later, at a later time and a later age, too, is just is unrealistic. So um, it helped me develop more of an understanding. And I think 
with all that, um, you know, before kind of tying it back into before I die, I want to have a clear definition with my family. Lord willing, if I, you know, if I have kids, and, you know, you know, with my wife and they like, if my, you know, if we have children, you know, I, I want to be able to establish a clear understanding of, of love and of responsibility to them that they would never have to ask, um, you know, roles. They would never have to, you know, think or consider um, if I, as a father, would love them or what I'm willing to do for them. Mm. Mm, yeah, because it sounds like you didn't have those very, you, you did, but they, uh, they changed and like life changed and moved on and just kind of kept chugging along. Um, and it's uh, one thing that I'm struggling with is this idea of like, you know, with with the passage of your grandfather, and then um, of, of almost a decade later, the passage of your of your grandmother. It's it's like you you're orphaned, but you're not because when you you know when both of your parents die, you that like by no definition you're essentially you are an orphan. But um, that can happen mm -hmm. when you're you know Batman age, or that can happen when you are um, sixty and your parents are in nursing homes, and you become an orphan when you're sixty. But it happens to almost everybody unless you die before your parents, of course, uh, which is tragic. But in this situation, it's this weird kind of like you are or an orphan, but you're not because the the one who is your mother is still around. And that kind of like leaves this weird vacuum that um, that you want to fill it. And uh, but it, it you you it, you cannot fill it at that time. Yeah, absolutely. It, it it's not, it's not something I, I, I want to feel, but ultimately it does leave room for, you know, to me, for me as, as a son to show grace, we talked about grace and it being unmerited favor. And that means that I, I have an opportunity to show my mother grace um, because I've been shown so much grace. I've, I, I don't, I've been giving some, given something that I don't, I didn't earn or deserve. And in this case with my mother, it's like, we've had a lot of, uh, you know, emotional bounce and, you know, I, and I've gone through a period where I didn't talk to my mother and that wasn't healthy for either of us, mm. but and it allows me to show grace and, and love towards my mother because as her son, I, I deserve, I, I, I'm, she still at the end of the day, my mother and I, you know, I, I honoring her, I know brings brings joy to Christ, which is what I want to do. And it, and it heals me as well. Mm. And so I'm hearing also like, where there's this gap of your biological father. And I wonder uh, what is the story with him? I never grew up or, or knew uh, my father. Um, so that in that instance, I... Um, in that instance, I, I the the man that that stepped in was my grandfather completely. So there was, there was when he passed away, it was a different experience because there was no one to fill his spot, mm. except I would say I, I would say except for um, my youth pastor. Uh, I I met him when as soon as I moved down, I was like nine, and I grew up with him, and he was essentially a stand-in for my father. Um, so. But as far as like a family unit, like someone who is like either married or within like an uncle or anything like that, I didn't have that. Um, and so what I've noticed, not only in the, in the dynamics of you know, my family unit passing early or, um, or not being there at all, was 
the relationships I make with people end up being, I put a lot more value on the relationships I've had with people because of the lack of relationships I've had within my biological family. Mm. So that, that's really changed in every way how I, how I, how I, how I do friendship, how I do relationships. Mm. Mm. So, uh, I'm, we're gonna, don't you worry, we're going to circle back to the grandparents uh, in the next prompt of when I die. Um, but I, you mentioned uh, your future family um, and, you know, with a spouse, with children. And I wonder what, uh, what have you imagined that to look or feel like? Do you know when that would start? Any of that? Have you begun any of the, the imagination of that? Yeah, so the imagination, you know, we talked last time and that was more like, that I don't want to put a... Uh, exact, you know, I didn't want to put my family in a box. And that's true to some point. But at the same time, with me getting older, and me wanting, you know, a career and, and something I know is going to take a long time at, um, it's still, I, I think what it looks like is an understanding wife, a woman who is able to be understanding of the desires that I have, and me to have those same understanding of, you know, the same understanding of, you know, uh, of, for her goals, you know, can't just be about me, not her. I mean, look at the relationship that you have, Eugene. You are in a, you are a, a you are soon to be full fledged doctor, and so is your wife. And but she is now having a child, and so that dynamic of you and your wife it wouldn't work if you were so selfish and then like, well, we just got to do what I got to do because I'm I'm the doctor. I'm not having the child. I'm not doing anything like, you know, it's like, you just got to support me, stay at home for a couple of years and give up on your dreams, um, you know, and support my dreams. Now, if that is what she wants to do, that's fine. Like if that's truly her, her, her joy and what she, she, what she truly uh, finds joy in, then by all means, that's as the family, you guys have come to that decision. But if that's something where you're like, forcing it, then that makes, you know, that's not good at all. You know, mm -hmm. same way I want to be able to, um, be with somebody that that is able to foster my dream, that's able to like grow my dreams, and I'm able to do the same. So that I think has become a little bit more uh, concise on what I what I desire. So these are more aspects and characteristics of that. And as far as my children, I do want them to be healthy. But man, I, I you know I'm hoping that they're able to um, able to express some traits that that I have myself, and able to and I'm able to raise them up as I was raised. I, I want to you know, laminate these cards and teach them how to read Bible verses as well, man. <laughs> mm, and um, have you, um, I guess, like, do you know from which pool you may draw your future spouse? Would it be in, you know, if like, as you enter the medical field, would it be someone in that world? Would it be someone in, in your spiritual community? Um, do you have any idea or will they, they just kind of surprise you? Bro, I, I, I wish I knew, man. I, I don't know if I have any any desires of where I want them to be, but I do want them to be a solid believer. Um, and as long as that's the the foundation, I think we can do whatever. Um, but honestly, I stopped worrying. Like, it's weird, right? Because in the in the Christian community, you'll find a lot of people that marry young. And like, I'm sometimes I'm an anomaly, man, because I'm 30 and I'm like, oh, you're not married and have three kids? And you know, no, I don't. So you'll get a lot of like, oh, let me set you up or wait, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what is going on? It's not unhealthy to be single at 30, but you know, that's what I am. So I'm, I've given up, like I, I, there was even a point in my life where I was like, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with me. 
like I didn't think anything was wrong. And then people like kept on asking me, and I was like, oh shoot, something must be wrong. And then I got it. I was like, no, I've come to my senses. Nothing's wrong with me. Um, and and I'm okay with being single. But at the same time, it's like, wow, you know, I've, I've released myself from wondering where am I going to find this girl? Because I can find her today or I can find her five years from or 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. Or I might not even get married at all. You know, that's, that's also on the table for right now because I don't have a wife. So I'm hoping that, uh, that she is uh, everything I'm expecting her to be. Uh, and that includes her flaws and all. Um, but mostly that she is a believer. That's really that foundation that I, I want to build. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I talked um, with a previous interviewee, AJ, and we had talked about how like he had been searching for people that um, that he connected with and then trying to find out if they're a believer. And he was like, no, I needed I, I needed to switch it up, like find like find the believers and then find the ones that I could connect with, because it's hard. You know, you can't really convert somebody like just because you're dating. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that's a that's that could get rocky, you know, and, and, and that's, and again, with somebody who is having that foundation in Christ, it's like, okay, well, everything else is semantics. That was, that was the most important thing for me and you. So we can build off of anything else we need to, where we're going to live, what career we're going to go into that all, if we're all like humbling ourselves before the will of God, then it all works out. It's a win. So I'm pretty excited. Good stuff. So you um, want reconciliation. You want, um, I forget if you said you wanted a family, but you want, uh, you want to be able to like function in that role that you, you saw that your grandfather did. Right. Right. And that, and that was, that takes, and that's all wrapped up in what I said last time with taking care of my family. Mm -hmm. He did a good job of, of being a provider. So that's all wrapped up in there as well. Is there anything else you want before you die? No, I mean, that's, that's pretty simple for me. That's, that's good stuff. Yeah. So how do you finish that next prompt? When I die, I want. I do want to leave behind the legacy. And I, and I've seen, I've seen this firsthand, you know, with my grandfather, the way he, he spent time with me. I've seen this and, and, and desired me to, to do well. To help me. Um, I've seen this in my grandmother with her teaching me how to read. I heard introducing education in my life. Um, and, and her, her being a significant um, spark of fire in my life or for my faith. Um, you know, I see that internally, I see that with me, but I also see that in that man that took that, that role of uh, a father with my pastor. So he, he was committed to, um, and he, in his mind, I don't, his mind wasn't legacy. His mind was to do God's will. And so he started off that youth group and I can say that I built with all these guys that were like the men that were in that youth group, I, I developed brotherhood with them and like a family relationship with them. And I can say that one is off, you know, pastoring in Chicago and in, in, uh, in Cincinnati um, and is at one of the fastest growing churches in the country. Um, there's one that just went off to seminary school. There's actually two that went off to seminary school. Um, one, one's already completed. One of them just went and he's finishing up his first semester. Um, there's another there that that's working in Christian music Two actually that are working and one's in Atlanta, one's here in Naples and, and, and the list goes on and on. What I'm saying is that his obedience led the way to hit the people that he knows being impact and able to spread that, that love with other people. So it's, it's amazing what you can do when you're just obedient. I know his role wasn't to, 
oh, I want to leave behind, you know, a legacy of people just like, you know, remember me and that I was good. No, it was like, I wanted you guys to go. And, and I can see he's still alive. He's still kicking. You know what I'm saying? It's like, he's not finished yet. And that's what I want to, I'd love to leave behind a legacy. Of, but whatever that legacy is, it doesn't have to be, you know, that specific legacy. But I want it to be something that I know I was obedient in. And even hopefully be able to see the fruit of before I die. Mm. Yeah, and I guess uh, you just—is it like? Can you imagine the 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 wake that this legacy will leave? Like, do you know what it is? Can you do you even know like in what field? Do you know like in what way? Is it in the relationships that you've had? Is it in this future med- medical career that you're imagining? Like, what a uh, what uh, what legacy? That, I think that's the beauty of it because I, I don't know. I, I have no idea right now. I can imagine maybe maybe it is um, in medicine and, and and maybe it is like bringing help to a to a community of, of people that are you know in my in my mind that are you know deprived of that. Maybe it is in my family and my kids' lives and the people they'll affect, or with my wife and the people the people that she affects, or. Or it might be with the friendships and the, the community that I'm with right there. And what like what does that look like? I have no idea, but I, I love the thought of it. You know, it's mm. uh, it's fun to think about. Mm. And so you you talked about uh, the legacy that your grandfather left, and I want to um, first talk about the circumstances of his death, and then I want to talk about the like that more specifically about the legacy that he has left. So, um, with the, wait, what was the, and the first one was the legacy he left and then, or that was the last one, right? Yeah, last one. And the first one was the circumstances surrounding his death. So the circumstances surrounding his death was uh, that of, of health um, and, and just like his, so he was a diabetic and, and he, um, so he had heart, uh, you know, he had heart disease. He was a diabetic and he was on dialysis. And so he had an amputation. It all started with his foot and he got that amputated. Then it went, you know, the infections, you know, moved up to his leg. He had, you know, most of his leg taken away. Um, kidney failure, um, cutting down, and, you know, that, that's, that ultimately is what led to his, his passing. Um, so I, I, you know, that, that seeing him deteriorate, I think was really hard. So not only did he pass away and did I feel like time was taken from me, um, you know, uh, but I feel that, you know, his, he wasn't able to be who he was. He wasn't able to be Richard Mayer that he was, um, as a first, you know, when, when he, when, when I was first born, you know, the way he was as a grandfather, it was limited because of his illness. So that was, you know, that was sad. I, you know, it was tough to see, but even in that, I, you know, some of my best times were, in the dialysis center and just being able to talk with him and hang out with him. Um, so that's a, that's the conditions of how he left. And then the legacy he left, I think is, is the parent of my life. And I, I, and I mean it in the fact that, you know, I know that I, I want to raise a family and have and love them the way he loved me and, and bring that stability and bring that, that 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 functionality and be able to do all the things that he he wasn't able to do because of his passing. Not that he wouldn't have, but because he couldn't. Um, and uh, that's what I, like the legacy he left was was just high. It was always like you know a believer. It was being a provider. It was um, 
it was doing well in school. These are, you know, basic functionalities that I think all we all want, you know, if we have kids, we all want our kids to go through and, and have. So, um, but him, him acting that out is, is a legacy left and that's what I want to leave. Mm. And, uh, I'm struck with like, I've seen so many patients that kind of follow that same, um, outline of your grandfather and, it's this, like this, you know, it sounds like he was a police officer in New York City and so an active fellow um, and having that taken away from him in the final years of his life, I imagine must have been very difficult. And I wonder what was your experience of his actual, what was your experience of his actual death of, the, of that moment from, from life to death? Um, well, it was, uh, and it was hard. I think one of the hardest things for him to give up was driving. Um, you know, there's so many things attached to driving autonomy and, uh, and just like, um, a desire, like a, a feeling of self, um, and being able to do things for yourself. But, um, you know, it was, I knew it was happening, but it was hard to come to terms with it. Cause I saw him slowly going and going downhill and the more and the more it, there was in my mind, it wasn't like it was going to get better. It was just how longer I had with him. Mm-hmm. Um, new experience. It was it was something that I, it's hard to describe because, and I knew it was going to happen, but it still, when it happened, it was a shock. So um, that was it was definitely strange. Were you uh, were you present for his death? Um, I was in a hospice home, so he died in hospice, mm-hmm. and uh, I or pardon me, I, I was. Uh, I was there just before he died, and then we ended up going home, and then passed away when we were at home. Like my, my grandmother was there uh, when he passed away, so um, and I was able to see his body before, um, you know, before they they took him away, and uh, really surreal. It was this feeling of loneliness, and I don't I don't think I I really un, like I knew he passed away, but it was just like. I couldn't understand it. There wasn't, there wasn't any anger there. It was just loneliness because I knew no one could take his place. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're, we're seeking for substitutions where we seek to fill a void that we carry. And, uh, and oftentimes we choose the wrong thing. And so that void that I felt there was, um, I think something, some things that people often feel, um, and uh, so, yeah, it was uh, it was surreal. Mm. And I want to also talk about the more recent death of your grandmother. And it, I, it's from what you described so far. It sounded like she died on the table during surgery. Is that correct? Oh, uh, not really. It was so that part was probably the hardest. It, she passed away. Uh, a couple weeks after the surgery mm. and that was difficult because she was in Dothan, Alabama randomly. It was like, well, her friend was up there and it was her, her friend was up there and she was like, well, no, I'll be up. I'll stay up here. So it was really hard for the family to come visit her. Mm-hmm. And I was in Bradenton. And so I couldn't see her as much and, you know, taking time off of work to go drive, you know, like, seven hours you know from where i was to go see her and staying there for for days um and just seeing her there seeing her unresponsive so i didn't 
I didn't necessarily get to say goodbye, but I did get to see her just for then. And it was just, it was crazy because it's like, she's on the bed and she's not responding. But, you know, just days before she was, you know, dancing around and, you know, laughing and, you know, laughing with the nurses before surgery. So it was, it, it was so immediate that, uh, and, and I it was, it, it was just, again, just the, the, the inability to be there as much as I want left, uh, left me, left, left something to be desired. Mm. And, um, what have you learned from these experiences, losing your grandparents, the, 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 the stand-ins for your actual parents, what, um, going forward, because I see in you a wisdom that is different. Like I, when I talk to people that have experienced in, like uh, had a near death experience, um, uh, or somebody that has really come face to face with death. Um, I think of, uh, Jared Roa who, who almost drowned uh, while surfing and came to grips with his death. And then someone rescued him right before he probably would have died. And then I think of, uh, Yehia Mishriki, another interviewee who, who lost his wife during childbirth right before his eyes. And, uh, there's a depth of character there i think that that changes you in a way that you cannot anticipate and you do not and that that is for the that can be for the better but not one that you ever want to have gone through um and i see that in you um and i i never really um i didn't know i knew that you had this depth when we had this first conversation but i didn't know where it came from and now i know where it from where it stems, but I wonder, uh, what have you learned from this? Like, what are your takeaways when you, when you think back on these, on the, the abrupt passing of your grandmother and the, the slow decline of your grandfather? Um, it's definitely, definitely not how I pictured my life. Being. I pictured them being around for everything, for my graduation. My grandmother was around. She was the only one that was around for my graduation. My mom was there, but like, she was the one you know, I expected both of them to be there. And then, in, you know, picturing my marriage, you know, I, I expected my grandparents. Mm. And it's like, like significant areas of my life, there's less people that I, that I know. And I, it, it's, it's heartbreaking uh, to, to know that. Um, and I think that, it's, I mean, the, the experience that I had from them alone, I wouldn't leave anything. I, you build these bonds and it's the bonds that you make that that are painful because they're they're severed it's like the if you never create those bonds and it, it doesn't hurt as much um but the bonds you're making with these people they're cut off they're the things that are, are difficult so i um i i would never trade in that the experience that i had with them uh, that made me who i am and, and made me, um every in every sense they they had a, a direct impact on who i am right now so um it, it, it allows me to uh, to see see death as something that is is going to happen, um, and the opportunity of life is a gift, right? It's like something that we're not promised, but um, we don't know where going to expire. But you know, um, and I, I think I, I do have a joy in, in, in knowing that I'll see both of them one day because I I do believe that they are without a doubt um, uh, with, with with Christ, and I and I. And that is, is also something I can take and I can, and I can, the grieving process is something that is, yeah, they're, they're, they're gone, but not forever. So. Mm. 
Thank you for telling, talking so much about them. And uh, I can tell that this is challenging for you, but uh, you're, you're, you're giving so much in, in that, I, that I appreciate. Thank you very much. And so I wonder also, um, what was that? There might be a little lag. I was just saying you were being transparent first, man. So I got to be transparent <laughs> too. Yeah. So um, I'm wondering, uh, as you talk about how we all will die and how the, the, this life is a gift, um, how do you imagine your passing that moment from life to death? And I... To be absent from the body is to be present with Christ and you know, to feel that welcoming um, of well done, my good and faithful servant. You, you did it. You made it. Um, we are, um, every athlete practices and, and trains for a crown that perishes, but we're here and we're doing what we're doing. And we're going to receive the crown that's imperishable, something that is that uh, we get to spend our lives with the creator. And I think that 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 transition, while I don't know when it's going to happen, and I'm, I don't know, I don't know if I'm looking forward to death, but I know it's a part of death. But I I pray that my prayer is to be not only ready, but doing something that I know, um, like I want to I want to be dying doing something that I know Christ has called me to. So it's um it's exciting, it's uh it's a little bit scary, but. Uh, you know, um, um, but uh, it's it's a part of life, and I, I think that, um, and I know that God has great things in store. Mm. And do you have any life experiences that might uh, that inform you uh, the magnitude or just the flavor of that transition from uh, from living to dying and to being with your Creator? I personally don't. I haven't had any personal real life experiences with that. Um, and, and a lot of that is, is based on faith, right? The, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the belief in things that aren't here, that, that, that you can't see, that aren't tangible, um, but the belief nonetheless in them uh, and, and the promises. And, and so I personally don't have that, but what I do have is, is, is my belief in the word and, and what it's telling me. And I have... Um, and I have faith in that. So I, I, I don't know what that's going to be like, but I can only imagine like, you know, will it be me dying around loved ones and it will it be like a going to sleep. I don't, I don't know, but, uh, man, I, I, again, it's, it's, uh, it's, it'll, it'll be, it'll definitely be, it'll definitely be a, a an adventure. <laughs> For sure. Um, I forget what your initial response was to the when I die prompt. Do you remember? The uh, when I die, I wanted to leave behind that legacy. Legacy. And, uh, gotcha. Is there anything else that you want when you die? No, that's it, man. Good stuff. Short and to the point, but a lot, lot of depth in there. <laughs> How do you finish that next prompt? Uh, after I die, I want. After I die, like I said, I want to be with Jesus. I want, to, I want him to you know, to usher me in as someone who, who made it, who ran the, the race and fought the fight and, and did everything he asked me to. And, um, that's all I could ever ask for after I die is, is an eternity with the one who created me for specific purposes and have carried out those purposes in a way that he knew that I could. 
Um, so that, that to me is the ultimate reward. Mm. And like we said, you don't really have any experiences that kind of let you know what that will look like or feel like. Not at all, man. Not at all. Not at all. But faith is, faith is a powerful thing. So we'll see. We'll see what that, that's, that's like uh, to, to truly to trust and fully believe at, at a time when you know death is coming or maybe even not, man, is to go in your sleep and, and, to, and to be in glory, man, um, because you don't know what that, that transition looks like. But um, Do you, um, do you have, what is your belief and imagination of what the afterlife will, like, I guess what I'm, I guess what I'm wondering is like, do you, do you imagine there to be a level of interaction with those that are left? With, uh, with left here behind. Yes. Okay. Um, I, I, I don't know if there, there will be, but for me personally, um, you know, I, I've, I've heard of interactions of Bible is, you know, they, there is obviously resurrection and, and, and all that that's in the, in the Bible. Um, but I don't know functionally what that looks like. I don't believe of, for me, any interaction will be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's crazy to think about perfection um, afterwards. I do think that there, you know, in, in that death, there will be perfection, um, a per, uh, perfection of what things were meant to be like before the, uh, before sin, uh, which is what we, you know, as faith, you know, faith believers believe that what causes death and what causes, you know, God had a plan in the beginning and that plan was perfect. So us going back from whatever that plan of perfection was to what it will be continuously forever and moving into that, um, that's kind of what I see that being a, a renewal or a fulfillment of a promise that was made originally to us. Mm. And so we've talked about the what you want after death for you, right? And so what, what about um, others? Uh, is there, do you have... And, and I'm going to couch this in, in talking about the future. And um, how far in the future do you think? And how often? How far in the future can you think? I can. Uh, I can think um, immediately. You know, I can. I can. It sounds very morbid, but you know, I could. I could die in a car accident. You know, today, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, or I can die next week. And those those things are scary to think about because it's like no one wants to die. But um, but I can also picture myself with uh with a family mm-hmm. you know i have a history of 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 disease you know and so if, if i'm not if i'm not extremely cautious about that starting like yesterday which again i i you know i'm not always but you know what does that look like for me to you know you know maybe i maybe on my deathbed it's you know full of wires in me and tubes in me because it's you know i'm shutting down you know because of disease i don't know maybe it's you know, um, I don't want to be a martyr, but what if, you know, what if I find myself being a martyr and, you know, I'm, I'm in an area where they don't share my practices of faith and, you know, I, I have to die for that. I'm not sure what that, that looks like uh, from my death, but whatever it is, I, I want to be prepared for it. And so I think that's, so the reason why I asked that question and I ask it very vaguely is because it's, I wanted, I, I use it as almost a Rorschach. Like when I talk about the future, where does the future end for you? And it sounds like the future ends for you with your own death. Is that correct? 
with uh, with my own death as far as like by myself or like like when i like when you imagine as far in the future as you can imagine it's it's basically the future ends with you with with your life like 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 do you imagine a hundred years in the future do you imagine a thousand years ten thousand years oh wow yeah yeah now that's that's definitely something yeah for this life it ends you know like that but functionally what that looks like is literally forever being perfected and being in a constant state of worship with with my Mm -hmm. that that looks like again if you think about adam and Eve's story adam had a job adam had um uh, which in the book of genesis the first book is we're describing that that practicality of of, um perfection and, and the initial human race and it's like so he had a job he had a role to do and i believe that we i couldn't tell you what that looks like but what will it look like to have our role um in a hundred years um in ten thousand years of, of ever moving uh worship to god what does that look like i don't i don't know what that looks like mm-hmm. um you know the revelations gives a good description of, of what heaven will be like a new heaven and a, a new earth but man, that that is I you know that's that, whatever that is, it's going to be in worship to to God and to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Um, will be roles that we'll have. What that looks like, I have no idea. But it's exciting to think about. It is, and again, I think it's interesting that um, when I put it out to that ten thousand years, you're thinking about that ten thousand years for Jarrell. Like that, like it, it. So you think about your life here, and then you transition to death, and then you start thinking about life, about uh, what the glory of the afterlife will be for Jarrell, but not mm-hmm. for those remaining here on Earth. Like that's what that's what I'm like. That's the like the the point. Oh, like, okay. You see gotcha. what I mean? Like like for like what like when I say ten thousand years in the future, you you're thinking about you about yeah. Jarrell, you know, yeah. not not the rest of this world, not about the caribou, not about uh, the water or the sky here on the earth. You know what I mean? Yeah, I could. Man, it would be hard to speculate on those. What I could say is like life is going to continue to go on. I even the most influential and in, in, impactful people on the planet, like they pass away, empires come and go. There, there's you know, in a hundred years. People probably won't remember my name, um, but the impact, and I think that's why legacy is so important because the impact that I'll have if I'm obedient will continuously be a lot. Um, look at the, I mean, look at the apostle Paul. He went around spreading the gospel and he's been dead for thousands of years. So we're looking now at like, um, uh, we're, we're looking now at, at this thing through uh obedience so if i'm looking at me being obedient what kind of impact will i have will i have impact on you know on on people read his books and and reading his his worded um and it's like they're 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 getting a first-hand perspective of this and what does that look like now it looks like people you know clinging on to faith because of what the, the words that are in this in this holy manuscript so it's like um i don't know what that looks like essentially for the people i don't know who i who i've impacted yet but um i think that'll be clear when i when i'm able to see that the full perspective but you know the, the world will continue on if i if i have kids or not you know it'll you know i'll have impacted somebody and they'll have impacted somebody else um the world will continue to do that i don't know i don't know what the physical earth you know shifting of land and all this other storms and 
and, and famine, all those things are they're going to take place, right? But um, man, it's uh, the world will continue on. Yeah, very interesting. I think it's uh, yeah, it's just a very I I I always I like to to sort of like round out these conversations with a talk about the abstract future because um, for many people. I haven't found many people that can think about future totally untethered from themselves. Like I find it very difficult for for people to um, talk about the future in a non-egoic, non-self sense. Like the idea, mm-hmm. like uh, like I think about like something that I think about is like, will we, will the buffalo? ever get to roam the United States, the, the Amer- North America ever again in one continuous million Buffalo herd ever again. And I hope so. And that like, that's the, like, you know, like th- those types of hopes that are untethered from humanity and from yeah. self is like, that's the, like, it's, I'm just curious. And so it yeah. seems like yeah. things are, things for Drell are very much um, in that legacy and, and main and moving things forward for, for those that you love and those that you connected with. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you've given me some things to think about. Maybe I do need to start thinking about the Buffalo man. I feel <laughs> thinking about that i'm like wow that's a good question will they have a roman will it it take the the collapse of 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 human society and civilization for that to happen and then for for the deer to roam and for the wolves to return like all of that it's just those are things that i um like talk i I just find it very interesting how uh you know people's stories are very interesting but also the the idea of how how do we as humans think about the future and and largely it is with regards to ourselves but rarely is it about the things around us that will persevere and continue on long after our our passing agreed agreed i I agree with that it's hard it's hard to it's hard to take self out of the equation you're always a factor in everything right whether it's talking to people or talking or staying away from or adding in variables but you never take yourself out of the equation. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's pretty almost like that movie after I've never seen it. Oh man, it's crazy. That kind of that kind of shows you a glimpse of what that thought like that the thought process of that writer was thinking, like if we all left for a while and came back, what it would have looked like. Mm. It's pretty cool. People hate on it, but I love Will Smith. Maybe I'm biased. <laughs> Gotcha. And uh, I guess, is there anything else that you want to uh, to round out this after I die prompt? Man, um, I, I I guess rounding it out, I would say that um, you know, I my hope is that in life I'm able to be the man of God that I am called to be, so that I can encompass all of the the things that I'm supposed to. And meaning that I want to be as effective on this planet as I can be, um, giving all the glory to God. So I have one question for you, man. You've been asking me a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I know this session was on death, but uh, my question to you, Eugene, is what do you want in life? And that's a big question, but I, I like <laughs> you talk right. about it so much. I want to hear about you and, and what you want out of life. I want so the easiest answer is I want less fear. 
Um, and I identify that defining something by a negative is a very weak definition. Um, so like saying like, I want like defining health as the absence of sickness is a very weak definition of health. Mm -hmm. And so to clarify more, I see love and fear being two sides of the same, like consciousness coin, um, that you need, you need a level of consciousness to have both fear and you need a level of consciousness to have love. And I see, um, you need both but I see fear being very strong these days and I don't see enough love being uh, present. And I see it in the people that when they're driving and how defensive people are or how, how blank they seem or when I, when I walk around and um, how, how few people make eye contact and when they do like a little smile can go a long way i see fear being very strong now almost as if um almost like almost in like a pagan sense like there are people praying to the god of fear and the god of fear is getting very strong and i don't i don't see a counter happening in with the god of love i don't see i see the the people that are holding fast in love remaining that way, but I see them being very isolated. And I want to see that connection growing and, and pushing out the fear because that fear is tricky and it is powerful. And it is, um, once it gets in, it is a cancer. Um, and I see that I want to see more love in the world because they're, the, if fear rules, it is not a very fun existence. Wow. Wow. That is, that is deep, man. That's dope. Let me ask, <laughs> let me, let me just kind of get a little bit more specific just for one moment. If you'll indulge, mm -hmm. what, what does love look like as far as what actions do we take to grow in love? Uh, the very first and easiest to me is one of vulnerability, because when one is vulnerable, um, you it is impossible. It, you can be nervous, but if you are true, truly vulnerable, I feel like it is impossible to live in fear because you're opening yourself up to the world. And I think that the first step to getting more love in the world is to be vulnerable and to be open and to share weaknesses because fear is the one that tells us that we need to hide our weaknesses and that we need to not be who we are and that we need to um, act in certain ways that are not true to us. And by acting in a sense of vulnerability, you, you can reinforce the idea that vulnerability is not synonymous with weakness because you by being vulnerable by being open and fostering a sense of love like a little seed of love within you you then allow um then you then you can realize that when you have when you have that love and that vulnerability nothing can hurt you that the the fear tells you you need to build armor but love tells you you never needed armor because nothing can really hurt you Wow. Wow. I like it. Man. I like it. <laughs> Build on love. I like that. I like that. No armor necessary, man. I like it.
None. So we've been talking for what, like almost two and a half hours. We've probably been recording for almost two. Um, and I want to thank you, Drell. This has been a really, really fun conversation from, uh, you know, all the stuff just catching up to uh, the interview, the, the pre warm up questions to the actual interview itself. It's been a, it's been a real blast. For sure, man. I, I, I enjoyed your presence, your, your wisdom and uh, the love that you share, man. So I do appreciate that, bro. I really do. Uh, it has been great. Um, I, my, I'm so excited for you and your future, your family, man. I really am. So uh, <laughs> definitely keep me informed, bro. I want to know. All right. Absolutely. And I want to give you the floor uh, once again to address the audience, whoever this, whoever is listening uh, in the future, whether it is you drill again, you know, maybe in a couple of years, you're in medical school, you're, uh, you're like, Oh, wow, this really sucks. But at least I, I can hear these really interesting conversations about uh, about death and dying with a with a cool dude again. Or maybe it is your future son, daughter, um, your partner, listening to this after your passing, or maybe this is just somebody who identifies with you and your Christian faith and, uh, and your, um, your identities as somebody who has lived a life that is uh, one of, of challenge, but also of growth. The floor is yours. Um, I, I would say that um, and you I hope that my life was an instrument of God's design and that my life left. There's no doubt about what I was called here to do. And my hope is that you will find the same calling for Christ and follow that same direction. Um, God who directs our footsteps. So following his design is always the best thing to do. So that's, I guess that's what I would say. Good stuff. Jarrell, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you, Eugene. It's been a blast, man. Absolutely. This has been Jarrell Mayer on Death. Kim, and I welcome you to On Death, a podcast where we talk about death through four prompts. I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. This week, I interviewed Jarrell Mayer, Meyer, I always mess it up, I'm sorry, um, sorry Jarrell, um, but before we get there, we'll talk a little bit about my Sunday long form post this week. I talked about an abortion debate. Um, ostensibly, I was debating my partner, and it was real interesting. Um, it was fun because I got to sort of grapple and and like troll the moderator, who is a a, a PhD, MD, JD, everything, all the letters. And it was really fun because uh, I, I think he underestimated me and it was just very, it was a delight to debate in such a high stakes environment. Um, and I chose a different tact rather than debating my partner. I decided to debate the prompt itself. And I mean, from that perspective, it was really, I would love to see another couple go up because as partners, we had a very, we had our own dynamic. Um, 
when compared to any other relationship. And if any other relationship thrown up there, you sort of see what happens when stress is placed upon them. And it's a, a, a friend of mine, Kat DaVinci, and she's, I would love to have her get on the podcast, but I feel like I've got to get better at interviewing before I can tackle her. She, uh, she told a little story about how when she, she went to an acting class uh, with, her, with her partner at the time, she, they, the, the, actor, the acting director sort of told them to break up and it was a really intense experience for her and she, she had trouble with it. It was very emotionally um, traumatic for her. And knowing that it could have gone in so many ways, I mean, Mackenzie, my partner, she was assigned to the pro, pro the anti-abortion pro-prompt position and as such, she was sort of arguing in a position that she didn't, she didn't believe in. And it would have been easy for me to attack her position, to attack the points that she made. But rather than doing that, I thought it would be much more <laughs> fun and much more interesting to attack the prompt itself. And uh, then it turned into a debate between me and the moderator. So that was a whole lot of fun. Um, check it out at mnmwod.com. mnmwod.com. Uh, there I'll post these, that's where you'll probably find these, uh, these podcasts as well as all of my long form posts, uh, beginning from the start of med school to now. So about like 45, uh, posts thus far every week, uh, done on Sundays, obviously. So back to Jarrell. Jarrell is a lovely man. I, he is so, so honest and so welcoming. I, He's so quiet and unassuming, but he's like a, a big, strong fellow. So you wouldn't, it's just, it's great. He's like a big teddy bear. And I, I've wanted to sit down and talk with him, but I, I felt like I wanted to get a little bit better at interviewing before I, I, I approach him. And uh, last week we interviewed his friend Tavia and he was actually in part of the live audience. So that was a lot of fun. And it also, I think, helped open him up to this idea of this podcast. Um, and it was, this is great. I, I mean... He, he has a depth of faith. He has a, he has a depth of his Christian faith and it shows in his responses in the ways that he talks about his past and the way he talks about his future. And I think it shows it's a lovely conversation. We talk about him and how, how he was raised by his grandmother and his grandfather and how he learned to read and write from the Bible, which is something that I believe is just so, so beautiful. If your, if your faith, if your faith's text guides your education, it's such a beautiful idea, especially if it was, if it's done with such loving care as, as if with your grandparents. And we talk about him being a black male. We talk about him wanting to provide for his future family. It's a, it's a wide-ranging conversation. We talk about Robert Kennedy at one point, or I do at least, and it's a great conversation. I think you'll enjoy it a lot, especially if you know Jarrell. He loves asking questions. He loves talking to other people. I mean, before and after the podcast, it was just him asking me questions, trying to figure out what I'm all about. I'm like, all right, bro. But once once the recording starts, it's all about you, and it's uh, it's a great thing because I think that if you're Jarrell's friend, you might not ever get to you. He may never like sit down long enough to talk about himself this long. I think he would try to wiggle out of it and try to uh, just ask you questions and try to learn about you because he's a as he says he's a student, and it's a it's a really beautiful thing to hear somebody who's so curious about the world explain explain their beliefs because. I think that 
he, yeah, like I said earlier, he would never sit down long enough and just talk only about himself. He would, he would ask you questions and it would just become, it would become a normal, more normal conversation rather than this interview. But I, that's what I love about this interview is you get to hear people, um, that you might know very well, talk about things that you would never hear in an everyday conversation. So enjoy, uh, this on death podcast with Jarrell. I know I know I enjoyed it. So listen up, grab some coffee or some tea as we did in this conversation and enjoy. <laughs> it is oh goodness. What what is today's date? It is I think it's the 6th. And it is March it's No, April 6th. April 6th, 2016. I'm sitting here with Jarrell Mayer. Meyer? Mayer. 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 And we will be talking about the four prompts on death. Jarrell, do you remember what the four prompts are? Uh, some, of them. Mm-hmm. some of them. Shoot, shoot, go for them. Uh, I, who are you? Uh, how, what do you want to? What do you want to do when you? Or let's see. How do you want to be remembered when you die? And how do you? What do you want when you die? And yeah, that's the three. You got the gist of it down. Okay. You got the gist of it down, brother. <laughs> All right, so the first prompt is I am. How do you finish that sentence? I am dot dot dot. Um, I, I, would, I, would, I would describe it as I am um, a follower of Christ. Mm. Yeah. How long have you been a follower of Christ? I have been, it's one of those things where it's as long as I can remember, but it's specifically, I remember um, when I was uh, growing up in the church, uh, with my with my grandparents and and, and uh, since since about five so it's been it's been from an early age um, but the manifestations of, of what what's been done in my life and or what God's been doing in my life has been more uh, teenage years mm. 12 13 14 those those times when I was in youth group and stuff so have you had a challenge of that faith that maybe tried to pull you away from following Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. I, <laughs> oh man, it, it's, uh, it, they, there've been challenges of, of identity, of, uh, of just, uh, uh, of hypocrisy of, uh, this is all self, of course, like this is, you know, um, throughout the years trying to find out who I am, uh, growing up as a teenager in high school, you know, being reluctant with other people in college when you're away from everybody, trying to figure out who you are there. Oh, so yeah, there's there's definitely been that those challenges. Mm. And you mentioned that your grandparents took you to church. Was that a big? Was that a big? How did that affect your relationship with Christ? That oh. It was through the grandparents. Oh man, it, it well, I mean, I, I actually learned how to read with Bible verses. My grandmother actually taught me how to read with Bible verses. She would give me words and everything. And then when I was able to actually make sentences or at least repeat the sentences. Mm-hmm. Um, they were all Bible verses, so I mean, it, it's uh, the, you could say growing up with my grandparents and their influence over my life was pivotal um, to the person I am now. Mm. And I, I mean, it's just, it's that's a very interesting thing because within Muslim or Islamic culture, that is very common. Is is people will learn how to read and sight read verses from the Quran without really knowing what they're saying, but being able to, to get to, they, that's how they learn Arabic, is through the Quran. And that's something that isn't quite common, or as, I, I don't believe is as common within uh, Christianity. I don't, like, it, it might be common within uh, Jewish Judaism, um, but it's not something that I see very often 
Um, and I feel like that's there's something so that so formative about that about mm-hmm. your the the your religious text is what you know teaches you language in in that profound way. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's definitely a there's definitely a difference between um, uh, I guess you would say this uh, first world or like American Christianity compared to the rest of the world. Mm. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's. I think we rely so much on, on, on just this grace or of everybody or, or kind of like everybody here is a Christian in America. We don't we don't need to really exercise our, our practices or our faiths as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that in other cultures, man, it's it's there, there's there's Christianity is, is different and, and that's similar in other other religions as well. Um, uh, I was talking to one of my friends and she is uh, she she is um, she is uh, Muslim but she comes from an African culture. Mm. So her being African, a black African, and being Muslim is is culturally different from being Arab or, or being uh, from the Middle East, particularly, mm. and, and being Muslim. So um, it's different where the location and the, uh, and the, uh, and the uh, I guess the location and the, the, the time and the, 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 the importance of, of your faith and you're and you you being zealous is is dependent on on where you're at, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I guess. And did you growing up with your grandparents? Did you go to a predominantly black church? I did not. You know what? I, I can be honest with you. Uh, growing up, I was always in like a mixed. It's always been a mixed kind of culture, uh, man. Especially especially when I finally made it to my church where I, I grew up, like since third grade in Naples. Oh man, it was a melting pot. So you had. You know, South Florida, you had your Latinos, you had your, you, you had, of course, white people were, were there as well in Naples, but, and then you had, you like, you know, blacks, but then you, you know, were you, were you Caribbean black, were you Jamaican, were you Haitian, were you just, you know, African American, so there's, a, there's a whole bunch of different aspects, but that reflected where Naples, the area where Naples was, was a, like it was from, that's the way my high schools were, so it's mm. kind of easy it was an easy transition to high school or school in general and, and church. It just had so much comparisons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something there's there's something to be said about that melting pot versus you know like I imagine if you had grown up in a predominantly black church, um, and specifically, uh, more specifically, an African American church. Like there's a very specific kind of culture and a vibe within. And I've never I've never really been in one and it's something that I, w- I would love to explore because it's such a different flavor and a different take on Christianity absolutely it's definitely different I have been to black churches I, I've uh, just depending on where where I would I would move to I I, I uh, spent some time living with my mother and she went to a predominantly black church and uh, just the, the uh, comparisons it, it was it was easy to see the, the and make comparisons um, and uh, so it was definitely it's definitely a different experience altogether right mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't, you can never really know how weird you you are until you compare it to other things, you know? Like, you, you can, like with that outsider's eye, you can see some things about a, an African-American church versus that melting pot Naples church, yeah. or yeah. or currently you you worship at Aletheia, right? Aletheia. Yeah. Aletheia, Aletheia. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, that, and this is a very, and it's a sort of, it's predominantly white, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do you think that affects the, the worship that goes on there? Um, well, it definitely, culturally, man, it's, it, it's, it's there. Um, I know. I know our, our, our pastor has a heart. Um, he has a heart for for different cultures. Um, unfortunately, the location that we're at, the the people that are there, are going to be predominantly white. There is going to the, the church location 
is a culmination. It's the the church is a result of location mm-hmm. where it's at, and the the area that it's at is predominantly white. So you're going to get a predominantly white influx of people there. Um, but that doesn't, um, as long as the church, I think, is is moving towards racial like racial reconciliation. I think that's I think that's a major part of it. It's, the church has got to be willing to and open to um, to having a racial reconciliation. Uh, whether or not the location is benef- like is is going to promote a racial reconciliation, so not so much a, uh, an external but an internal um, mm. battle with that. Yeah, and I remember when I visited, um, there was a, an Indian man there coming, and he was talking about how he was going, he was going to go back to India and and plant a church, and it was, yeah, it was a yeah. beautiful thing, just just like. This little brown dude in this in this tall, like classically handsome white pastor is just they're they're on the same page, right? And there's something very beautiful about that. You're absolutely right. So you're a follower of Christ. What else are you? Um, I mean, I'm a uh, I'm a student as well. I mean, that's that's here locally. Um, it's what it's what I'm it's why I'm here in Tampa. What are you a student of? Um. Oh, I'm actually in the program at USF, uh, the Aging and Neuroscience program, master's program there. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as that, like a literal student, that's that's actually <laughs> what I what I am. Mm-hmm. What about a more abstract student? Oh man, I'm a student of um, man. I I think I, I that's a good question. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, a more abstract manner, I I think I'm a. A student of, of people, I enjoy people, uh, so I'm a student of learning, learning about people, of interacting with people, um, of enjoying engaging with people. Is that a practice of learning that you do mindfully? Like you might go like so. For example, for me, I would go to like a music festival, and I just love watching people. Mm-hmm. I love watching people, and all like uh, that's half of the be- that's half of what I enjoy of music festivals, just watching people. Yeah. But is it or is it something that happens more passively, where it's just conversations, just going out in the world, and you just note these things? Um, I, I'd say it's a little bit of both. I mean, I love going places where I can ex- like I can explore people's cultures and explore people in general. Uh, I'm I'm definitely not what you would call an introvert. Um, I I um, I'll uh, I'll go up to somebody and talk to them. I will um, I'll definitely love to engage with people. So it's. Uh, Usually these these conferences like your play like you're talking about music festivals and stuff those are places where you know that's gonna happen, but like in everyday life I, I you know I enjoy talking to people um, maybe a little bit too much you know <laughs> get to the point I can have a conversation for a long time and um, I I'd have to say if I had a superpower it would be that I I have the power to uh, to get to know interesting people or to at least attract interesting people towards me um, mm-hmm. that's. I, I know plenty of people that are interesting, plenty of people that I could take um, solid advice from, people that I can, I can uh, uh, be entertained by and, 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 uh, and, and people that I can just like, count on or rely on. There's all sorts of people that I'm able to attract. So I, I think that, that would be my superpower if I had one, to attract mm-hmm. awesome, interesting, great people. It sounds like you already kind of have half that superpower. Oh, you're, for sure. I'm, well, I'm being interviewed by you. <laughs> interesting person right there. Uh-huh. And so you're a student, and you're a student of, I mean, you're a student at a master's program at USF. You're a student of people. Um, is there something else that you're a student of? Um, oh, I can't really say that. Probably. I can't really think of anything right now. <laughs> if it comes to you, it'll yeah, come to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
So then what else are you? You're a follower of Christ. You're a student. Yeah, I'm uh, obviously a, a, a male, a black male, so I identify, of course, being black as well. Mm, what does that mean to you? Uh, um, you know, that, that's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it is a self-identifier. It is something that I, I see myself as. I see it as a, as a pivotal point of who I am, the, the relationships I've had, the, 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 the man that I've become, all that. I think it is a result of being black. I think those a lot. If you change the color, you change a, a lot of the person's identity. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's definitely um, it's important and relevant, um, especially especially now when there's so much controversy uh, over. I mean, there's always been controversy. They're not like you know, oh, it's 2016, 15. It's like you know, there's controversy on being black just now. No, it's like it, it's always been around, but it's it's definitely something that's uh, it's uh, it's. It's a, uh, it's always, it seems to always be relevant um, and, it, and it changes um, on, on levels of like the media and stuff like that on, on, on like uh, how it's perceived. Mm-hmm. So. And how has that been a struggle for you identifying as a black male throughout your life? Or is that something that you've been proud of since you were, since you, when you were young? Or is this something that you've, re- how, how, if I had asked you five years ago or even ten years ago, would that have been different? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, like it, it seems like every five or ten years, like you, you, you go through something that that reminds you of who you are and and, and I guess how you identify yourself. Um, one thing about me is like I, I also I, I love multiculturalism as well because my grandmother's Puerto Rican, so I'm also Puerto Rican as well, and I you know the the Jamaican roots as well. So it's the it's it's uh, it's able I'm able to see. Um, I'm able to see through the eyes of a black male and I, I'm able to identify with multiple cultures as well. Um, so that's, uh, that's been enjoyable, man. It's, it's something that, that has, uh, it's, I love it. I, I love being able to identify, uh, with different cultures and different peoples. Um, you know, unfortunately though, my only regret is that my grandmother didn't teach me Spanish. I mm. guess I, I was clowning too much as a kid. And so she was like, uh-uh, I'm done with you. No Spanish. No Spanish for you. for you, man. No, it's like all English for sure. <laughs> for sure on that. Uh, so, yeah. And it's a very, I mean, I can, I can't help but contrast that experience with mine because I, both my parents were Korean, all both of their parents were Korean and they, I mean, my parents came from Korea. Like, mm-hmm. You can't get much more like pure in terms of the bloodline from that. And it's, it's a very interesting thing because that's just the only thing I can identify myself with. There's, I mean, I can try, I can try to understand and I can try to love other people of other cultures, but it's, I am Korean and there's mm-hmm. no, there's no, there's nothing that I can really do to change that. But I mean, you, if I look at you, I think a black man, mm-hmm. but you can feel that blood connection to Puerto Rico. You can feel it to the Caribbean and it's a very, it's very different and I wonder, like, how does that feel knowing that when somebody looks at you, they see one thing, but you feeling another? Oh, um, I mean, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why I love, uh, I love the art of, of being, being a people person, right? I just love being a people person because you're, you know, you, you can, you, uh, you can have a predisposition, but man, when you get to talk to somebody, you get to find out all sorts of different things uh, mm-hmm. about the person. I think that that you get to really experience who the person is so you can find out all sorts of different things um and i, I think that's awesome and so um when people when people you know get to know me then they get to know oh wow you're this you're that you're this you're that and like <laughs> you get you know i didn't know that it's i think that's a beautiful a beautiful thing i think people should 
definitely it should be a, a common practice to get to know others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that story that everybody kind of spools around and holds, but just letting letting it like open up and just see like just taking the time to open up the yeah. story is tough. It's yeah. not something that happens very often. Um, our culture doesn't entirely encourage it, mm-hmm. but it is something that is very beautiful. Absolutely, and it and, and it's something that you don't have to be you know multicultural or you don't have to be any specific thing to to get to know somebody and appreciate who they are and what they do um, in a respectful way. Um, even if you don't agree with them, man, it's like get to know someone, get to know somebody who who is a, like completely different with you. If, as long as they're willing to have a, a, a decent conversation with you. Um, I think I think there's something you can learn from that. Mm-hmm. And I love, yeah, and I love along those lines, I love talking to people who have a conviction of faith that might be completely antagonistic to mine, but just, just understanding where that conviction comes from. Yeah. It's a very powerful thing. And, I mean, I've had a Muslim on here, and I've had a couple of Christians on here, and and they're equally as, as a, that their faith is the bedrock to who they are. And... The, the like the the books are different the languages are different but the the character and the strength of character that emerges is very very similar well man if you're if you're if you're talking about um the way we were created i'm a firm believer that we were made in the image of god and we have and we we seek and long to worship and and and, and to praise um, so when you're talking about that aspect, 100%, I agree with you. I mean, we're all longing, searching, seeking for something. Mm-hmm. So um, and so when you're when you're when you're practicing your faith, you're you're seeking, you're longing for that relationship. Um, and and people fill that up all the time with certain things. Uh, and and actually, it's it, people can can do it in a negative way when you mm-hmm. when you try to to put all your hope and faith in one particular thing. Uh, whether it's it's uh, it's it's money or it's power, success, um, it can you know those things. And and some people might say you know that's that's the most important thing in my life. And you know I don't care what you say. This is most important. So, but I think in in some way um, we are designed to to uh, make much of something or multiple things. We're designed to or we're attracted to um, to loving, worshiping, caring about something. Mm, it is and 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 along those lines it's a very scary thing when people put that faith that like bedrock faith in a person oh <laughs> it's uh it's yeah because you were saying money or power or success but it's also when you put it into a person oh yeah such a squishy yeah. person is a squishy thing oh yeah for sure for sure yeah. and so you are a follower of christ you're a student and a black male what else are you um Hmm. You know, I, I, you know, that's, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's multiple different things. I, uh, can't think of, of any, those are really like my, my concentric circles. That's the, the, the biggest mm. identifiers of, of who, of who Jarrell is. Um, I, uh, like, yeah, yeah. Should we start talking about death then? Yeah, we can do that. Let's crack that door. Jarrell, how do you finish the prompt, before I die, I want? Um, before I die, um, before I die, I would like, I want, um, I, I think, I think I want to, uh, hmm. before I die, I, I want, I would, I want, um, reconciliation. 
um, mm -hmm. with the people in my life, the people around me, the people in my family. Um, that's not necessarily saying that that I that I uh, I, I get into arguments or fights with everybody, all my family, or if, I, if I've wronged anybody, I I need to you know it's it's more along the lines of I, I want I really want people uh, to to have love and peace. Um, I know it sounds very cliche and 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 kind of kind of storybook ending, but man, I, I would love before I die, I would love there to be a, a like a peace, a foundation of peace and, and love. Um, uh, when I when I go, that's that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see that uh, whether that's you know with my a family, a future family that I create, um, uh, with my family that's already here, um, my friends, uh, people, loved ones, people I've met, people I haven't met yet. Uh, I'd like there I'd like there to be a, a a kind of peace and reconciliation where it's like, wow, you know, you know, Jarrell was this person. He was this person. He was human. He was flawed, but ultimately, you know, he loved God. He loved people. He was, uh, he, he, you know, and, and, and I'm able to say that about others and able to engage before I die. So, mm. it's, um, and is it, is it important for you to have, for, for you to hear the reconciliation or is it more of an internal thing where you almost forgive yourself for those things? Oh man. Um, you know, I, I definitely, I can, I can, I can definitely take things and make it, make a mountain out of a molehill <laughs> for sure. I can, I can do that. That's like the story of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, that internal, that internal reconciliation, internal peace is a huge thing for me. Um, I would almost say I could easily say, yeah, no, I don't want to hear it. Um, whether, whether it's where I'm at right now or my pride is saying, yeah, I'd love to hear that. Not just, I'm not talking about, oh, Jarrell, you're, you know, we have peace with you specifically. And it's like more, I'd like to know that, you know. I, I'm that that there is peace that there there's going to there's not going to be turmoil or there there's not going to be anger bitterness left over mm. when I die. Mm. You want to leave without a negative balance. Yeah, yeah. I want to. I mean, and I'm sure everybody wants that, um, and I know everybody gets that. But I, I'd, I, I mean, when I'm gone, I'm out of here. There's no reason to don't don't mourn Jarrell. Don't don't pity him. But like, there's you know, but. Definitely, you know, don't don't be angry and, and callous. Let's, let's, you know, there's I do want there to be a peace um, mm. before I go. Mm -hmm. mm. And it's there's a whole lot there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That peace is something that it's it's a it's a knowing. It's like a feeling. Mm -hmm. it, you can't you can somebody can tell you it, but you, they can say the words. But if they, if there's not an earnestness there, mm -hmm. if there's not a depth there, you can feel it, and it's just you're like that's hollow. There's nothing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And so it's a very it's a very interesting. That'll be an interesting journey to find. Yeah, it will be, and I think I think part of it is going to have to be letting my pride go. Um, we often uh, we often have this thing um, where where we uh where we need to know the answers like how many times is like you know um i mean have you have you have you gone through something and then you come out on the other side and it's like oh i didn't need to stress that much about it like I, you know everything was going according to plan um and with my life i i, I know i i sometimes get angry at god um an unrighteous completely unrighteous anger it's not even like oh god you owe me this you know it's like jarell's messing up and i need to know the answer and you're not giving me the answer mm -hmm. um and and you know, so that that leads to that that pride of I need to know what's going on. So maybe you know when I die, whenever that is, um, whether it be tomorrow, today, tomorrow, um, ten years, twenty years, whenever I die, um, 
you know, God might, he might be like, you know what, you're not going to get that piece of knowing everything's okay, or when you leave, you're going to, you know, reconciliation, you're not going to get that, but you got to trust that, that ultimately things are going to work out in the plan that I see fit, so there, there's a peace in that, um, but there's also, there, there's that pride that has to get shut down before the peace enters in. Mm-hmm. There's a, I've, I've been coming to this, like, quiet realization that I, what I need to do is ask the question, but not look for the answer, hmm. and just just it's I it just just leaving it at the question like that was really weird. What just happened? Like just leaving it there and not grasp, not trying to grasp and find the answer because, like you said, that it, that grasping is is part of the ego, is part of pride, is part of that that like squishy squishy pokey thing that is not is not that important, and but there is value in just asking the question. Absolutely. Um, but leaving the answer to something else is, Absolutely. is like, you know, we're not going to be able to figure all this stuff out. I mean, if you, and if you did, you're probably, your brain will explode with all the answers. For sure. You know, For it's sure. like, why, like, why, why even bother? Why, why do I need to learn like how, how all the parts of a computer work? I'll leave that to somebody else. There you go. You know? There it's, you go. And it's just like, I'll let, I'll let somebody, I'll, I'll let the engineers figure that out or I'll let God do what he wants to do or she wants to do. I'll just I'll ask the question and leave it there. <laughs> so before you die, you want peace. What else do you want? Um, honestly, honestly, if that's, I mean, if, before I die, I well, the other thing would be more of a monetary thing. I would want my family to be taken care of. I would want mm. to make sure that my family is okay. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, that's that, that, that's a that's actually a really big deal for me. Before I die, I would like to know that my family is going to be okay. And is that, did you have instability in terms of finances or just where you were growing up when you were as you were growing up? So yeah, there there was there was um, growing up with my grandparents because they were older, retired. My grandfather was one. He came from the era of you work hard. Uh, you know, he was NYPD before that. He was you know he was in the military. Great great man um, and he you know he's one of those you know you work hard you save up and then you put down for for something and you own it and like so he, he bought land early on in his life and um, you know he so I grew up from like third grade to like 10th grade just like really stable or you know it was like when he started getting sick that's when the stability started leaving mm-hmm. but like you know um, I stayed in the same place until about from third grade to, to 10th and then the instability, you know, after, you know, passed and the instability started coming. So I, I've known what it's like to be stable, not not wealthy, not rich by any means, but to, to have a roof over my head. Yeah, mm-hmm. get like um, uh, food to eat, um, clothes to wear um, and definitely not the name brand or fashion clothes we're talking about. But like I, I had everything that I needed. And most importantly, what I wanted, the, the satisfaction and, and the desire of being loved that, you know, I had that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then, you know, the transition after that was was definitely um, less stable. So I, I know what it's like to to want for something and not be able to have it. And, you know, um, I, I, that's the area of my life that I, I would like to forfeit for my for my future family if possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I found that. The, the, the individuals that respond with, with wanting stability for their family have all experienced some sort of instability. Yeah. They know. They know what it is. And I see it in my father. He grew up in the wake of the Korean War. He was born like a year or two after the Korean War ended. Wow. And, you know, there were people were starving. There were bodies on the road. And buildings were still rubble when he was growing up. And he grew up, he spent a year in an orphanage when he was young. Wow. And it is 
like a biological imperative for him to know that me, my brother, and my sister will be stable. Like it is so strong within him, and you can only develop that if you've had, if you've experienced, if you've gone through that like that rough patch. Because otherwise, you don't understand the value of the stability of of passing it on and understanding like what it means to give that. Like that is one of the best gifts you can give to somebody as a young person. A little bit of stability can go so far, and like how much like sadness and rage happen in this world because those people don't have that stability. Absolutely, absolutely. The, there's there's also the 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 um the differences between you have the, those who were completely unstable for their their all their mm. lives. You have those who were completely stable for all their lives, and then in between there you have those who went from unstable to stable. And then from stable to unstable, mm -hmm. so I think all 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 four of those areas are you're gonna find differences, like drastic differences. Mm -hmm. um, so going up and so I, that stability that that my grandfather pro, you know provided, my grandmother provided, that you know the going from stable to unstable I think was was kind of the the crazy point. It's like wow, this is really you know this is really happening. Um, you know again, God is but these. I mean, I guess you can call these first world problems. I mean, I, you know, I wasn't, I, I never, I've never lived out on the streets. Mm -hmm. um, I've, you know, I've had definitely rough periods in my life, absolutely, without a doubt. But, you know, when comparing that to others, you know, who, who, who you know, maybe had to, you know, who had to go, you know, weeks without eating or, or you know, uh, they, they have to, to steal to provide and they have to, you know, or, or they don't, they don't know where the next meal is coming from, and they, they don't have anybody watching their back. They're in an orphanage, or you know, they, they're, you know, they're getting mm -hmm. beaten on and stuff like that. That's, that's some serious stuff we're talking. Yeah. So I guess, I guess my own, my own experience is paling to that, to pale to that comparison. But at the same time, being still very, a very, uh, an issue that's very important um, to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you can't, and just like because. I've never experienced that instability. I can't judge people who have gone through it. There's no, there's no way. I can't understand what it was like to be a ten-year-old boy, and and digging through garbage. You mm -hmm. know, I can't. There's no way I could ever judge somebody who has gone through that because yeah. I just can't. It's impossible. Right. So you you want to go out with a clean clean balance. Mm -hmm. You want to provide something for your family going forward. Mm -hmm. What else do you want? Um, man, those honestly, those are the two biggest things I want. That's really, that's really all I want. You know, my I want my my, uh, uh, you know, I, the first one is more of a, a, a relation, a relational issue to God and, and and him making sure that you know people are spiritually and, and uh, we're reconciled. And then you know, for my family to be stable, that's really those those are like the biggest issues. Those are the mm -hmm. biggest, the, the most prominent things for me. I mean, and if you knock those two out, it's like, really, what else? What is there after that, right? <laughs> That's very fair. Is and well, I guess, I guess, a question for you is, what do you want your family to look like? Do you know what your family what you want your family to look like? Man, healthy. That's really it. I mean, I, you know, there's when you start putting like certain st like stipulations on it, it's like, you know, I want I want what God has for me. Really, I mean, um, there, there's that there's that story of you know the guy planting a seed and he's like asking God, you know. Uh, God, give it, give my plant sun. Okay, now give it rain, uh, and now give it, you know, give it a nice breeze. Give it this, give it that, and at the end, the plant died. And it's like, you know, why didn't you just ask God to let your plant grow? Um, mm -hmm. So I mean, it's it, literally when I start, when I I can I can think, I can dream, I can have. It's not saying that I I you know I don't you know wonder what my family is going to be and what they're going to look like. 
um, man, when I start nitpicking and saying, I, I need I need my kids to be like this, I need them to, to have this, I need my wife to be this and look like this, it's like, uh, you start you start playing with some things and it's, it's not going to end well, I don't think. Mm, I like that story a lot. Makes if, that, that, yeah, that digs real deep, real deep to the issue. So then, what do you want when you die? How do you finish that prompt, when I die, I want? Um, when, when I die, I... Uh, I, I want um, I want to leave a legacy behind. I guess I want to uh, I want my my kids to my my family my friends to know who and what I'm about. Um, uh, which I, which I think I think my friends and family know what I'm about now. Um, they they know I'm not perfect. Um, I mean, spending ten minutes with me alone will I mean maybe even less will <laughs> spending a few seconds with me you'll, you'll know I'm not perfect. Um, but I, I do want, I do want my family to, to, uh, to be, to be believers in Christ and, and to, and to look at my life as an example of that. Um, is that the primary legacy you want to leave behind as a follower of Christ? Oh yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. What, I mean, there's no greater joy than to know that you're, you, you, uh, you were used as a tool, as a device for your family to come to Christ, to, to, for your family that you, you were the. You were the instrument of God's perfect design uh, to to lead your family um, to to life to truth, man. That's that's huge. Mm. What else do you want when you die? That's. Have you thought about the moment of passing? Yeah, yeah, I have. I have. What What are your thoughts? Oh man, um, I mean, the Bible gives a clear description, but man, that's. I mean, it's. There's no, there's no description like when you actually go through it, man. It's, uh, I mean, I've, I've, I've thought of, of passing and, and when I die, you know, is it going to be an instant waking up into glory? Is that, you know, am I, you know, what will I think? You know, I, I fully believe that those who are, those who are believers in Christ, they, they will go to heaven, that they're going to see, they're going to be with Christ in paradise. So that's, man, um, and, and, and all the joys and benefits of, of, of what that means and what that brings is, is incredible man it's 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 exciting i mean granted i mean i it's it's a scary thing but you know it's like no one wants to die um but man the the joy the promises that await us is 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 that's mm-hmm. that's what that's what a true christian's goal is to be with christ forever mm-hmm. and it's 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 that problem or that 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 tricky thing of something that you can't ask for advice about it. Like you don't know, you don't really know what it'll be to like, what it'll feel like to go to bed and not wake up. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no one has ever really like been like, bro, this is exactly what happened. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's a, it's, it's such an unknown and a lot in those experiential unknowns of, of like your first kiss. Like you, you can't explain what that will be like to somebody. You, yeah, even if yeah. you have, even if you have had a, a kiss, and you 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 remember distinctly that moment. It, you can't convey it to somebody. Yeah, you can't no. you can't use words. There's you, you just have to go through it. You have to go through that crucible <laughs> of of what that experience is, and just allowing it to happen, and not not trying to make it something. You're right. Oh yeah. Mm. You're absolutely right. Things that I think those are some of the best things. The ones that you can't explain. The things that you can't explain. Um, those are those are the the best experiences because mm-hmm. they're, they're your very own. It's like, that's something you're just going to have to experience on your own. And mm-hmm. you know, you hope that person does get to experience something like that. And as soon as you try putting words to it, it changes it. Yeah. It, it 
it it it almost demeans it. It almost reduces that experience oh, yeah. because it's like the it's it's like when when I when I when I when I taste a food as soon as I try to describe it, I'm putting boxes in it. I'm putting it in a box, and I'm saying, like, oh, it tastes like tarragon, or it tastes like rosemary. And right. it's, it's, no, it tastes like a delicious meal made by my mother. You there know? you go, yeah. And it's this, it's this, yeah, putting, word, language is such an interesting, interesting technology. It's so useful, <laughs> it's so useful, but it's, to understand that it has limitations is one of the hardest things, and... I don't know. You're, you're, oh man, it's, you, you are so right. It's, it, it, words do no justice sometimes. And at the same, the, uh, the other contrast is like, who can bridle the tongue? The, the, the tongue, you know, can set ablaze a forest fire. Like a little fire started, uh, a little, a forest fire started with a spark, a little, a little burn right there. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what the tongue is. It's like, uh, it, it can viciously rip somebody to shreds. And it's like, they, they hold so much gravity. Um, you know, when, you know, when God said, let there be light, he used words. It's like there's a, a, words have such a meaning, but at the same time, when you're trying to describe these feelings, it's like, you, they're useless. It's like, I, it's like a riddle. It's like, what is the most useful and useless thing at the same time? Like, mm-hmm. So you're absolutely right, man. Have you, um, have you heard about the Robert, the RFK speech the night that Martin Luther King was assassinated? Um, well, yeah, I mean, which, uh, I've only heard is really the the most famous speech. Are you talking about like Martin Luther King's speech? Or? No, no. So the the night that Ro- that Martin Luther King was killed, mm-hmm. um, Robert Kennedy went to I think it was Illinois, and it was a predominantly black like ghetto area, mm-hmm. and he went and spoke without any armed guards, and he spoke from the heart, and he. That was the only predominantly black city in all of America that day to not write. Wow. His words brought everyone together. And, and rather than creating a blaze, he stopped it. He stopped that forest fire. Wow. And it was, it was the, the way in which he approached them, the way that he brought himself in front of them. It's just like there's no, there's no like riot guards right next to him, you know? He's just on the, standing on the back of a pickup truck. And... Just he's and quietly saying, I know what it like, what it feels like to have a family member get killed. Wow! And like that, just the just those words, like that. It was a tinderbox filled with gasoline, and he, <laughs> and and he used his own hand to like stop the fire. Wow! And like that, just like yes, there there are great limitations to words, but, but like understanding what you can do with them. There's so much. There's so much there. You're right. Yeah. Wow! I get. It. Things to do, literally. <laughs> I'll send it to you, yeah, brother. For sure. It was, yeah, when I saw it, I was just like, man, oof. The depth of character that takes. It's a wonderful thing. The fact that people like that can exist, it's a, it's a great thing. Right? Yeah. It's yeah, awesome. So, what else do you want when you die? Or is there, or should we start talking about after you die? Yeah, after I die, man. Yeah, for sure. That's all I really wanted. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the real thing. This yeah, is all man. just foreplay to... <laughs> After I die, I want what? Um, man, it, obviously, um, to be with Jesus, man. That's that's really what what I would what I would love, man. That's really my my desire, my hope. Um, that's um, I mean, that's that's really that's really what the to to run the race is is about, man. To run the race and mm-hmm. and uh, you know to die, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come up here with me. 
Is that... Is that something... Can you imagine what that's like? I mean, I, I've tried, man. Uh, it's uh, it's one of those things where words, you can try to use your words. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to help out. But yeah, I've, I've definitely imagined what that would be like. Um, I, I've, I've imagined what it's like in... in and uh, to see my, my past mistakes and to see all the, 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 the pain that I've caused and my imperfections and, and just all the things that I, I'm, I'm unworthy of. And to think that, I mean, to think that I would get the most worthy of gifts is, is mind boggling. So, I mean, it's, mm. I, it's, it's really something that, that is, um, I mean, you can, you can you can you can try to guess what that's gonna be like, but I mean, there's there's no, you know, my my buddy my buddy Pac, I was at a wedding, and uh, he was he was telling me, um, we were we were hanging out and we were, the reception was going on, and uh, he was telling me he's like, excuse me, he was telling me like, um, you know, you you feel this joy, man? He's like, like every you know all your friends are around, um, everybody's happy, you're happy, man. Um, you can't, you, you haven't stopped laughing. You haven't, haven't, you know, we're having a great time. These people you haven't seen for years and there's so much joy and there's so much happiness. He's like, that's what heaven's going to be like every single day. <laughs> Just all, all, the, all, all the feels, bro, all the feels mm. forever. And I'm like, and, and that it hit me because at that time I was so happy and I, I love being around the, and it's, and it's that plus, and it's just amplified. It's not like that, that, that would be your worst day that happiest moment here would be your worst day in heaven mm. um so that i mean that 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 really put things in perspective of how much joy um is awaiting man and that's man that's that's what i want when i die mm. and there's there's something that i've been working through is this idea of of you you accept the love you think you deserve mm. and it's it's like the 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 experience after death that you you get what you think you deserve and if you think you deserve a beautiful experience with your savior then you will then then that's what will happen but if you don't think you deserve it you don't that's that's what won't that's not what will happen wow that you know what the the crazy thing about that is you know what's wild about that is i think i think the opposite of that and that's what makes it so special because mm. like grace is unmerited favor to say that I deserve to be in heaven with a perfect God and, and, and deserve to be and, and, and just enjoy his company and, and to be with this, this, this being of power that, you know, spoke the world and the universe into existence, uh, created me and, 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 and allowed me to, to be flawed upon the earth and, and, and just, uh, like taking things for granted and just being selfish and 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 not just like living up to the standard of perfection to think that I would be able to 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 graciously receive that free gift man oh like if <laughs> i mean i i i received presents on birthdays <laughs> but i think that i think the best gifts were when i i wasn't expecting them Mm-hmm. And I mean, in, in in a very simple term, that's what that's what I, I believe I'm getting. I'm getting heaven. I'm getting a, a an eternal life, and a, I didn't earn or deserve that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the sweetest gift of all. Is the best thing about it is like I didn't earn it. 
I didn't I didn't deserve it and I still get it, man. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like you can't you didn't pay for it. You didn't you surely didn't pay for it. Yeah. It's it's just you didn't do something terrible. You just it's you were you were just you and that's the gift. That yeah. is what it is. Absolutely. And that's that's what takes that's what makes this life easier for me. It's that I know I'm going to mess up. I know that I'm rooted in, in sin. I know that I'm, I'm I know that I'm not a good person at heart because I'm selfish. I think about myself all the time. I I, I treat I don't treat others the way I, I want to be treated all the time. I mean I I'm, I mess up. I make mistakes just like every human does. I, I'm I'm very much I'm very much you know you I can try to glorify myself, but you know, it's like you know for every one good deed I do I do like ten or a hundred more. And it's like mm-hmm. I, I I feel like I like it's it's and I know I'm I'm not you know there's always a, a, a there's a confidence in the fact that I know I'm not good enough, but having grace and that's. The, the fact that I don't need to be good enough lets me live through life without feeling like I need to do something to, to merit or deserve or earn something. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, that in a nutshell is what is what being a believer is all about. That is mm-hmm. what Christianity is. Getting a free gift in which we do not deserve. And that's mm-hmm. that brings me so much peace. Like there's no one act that can earn you entry into there. It just... It's just a, a thing. Yeah, I, there's no one act that I personally did that I could ever do to be good enough to get into heaven. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that takes, I mean, that's, it's just like, I, like you're in med school, man. It's like, imagine if the teacher said, you know what, I want you to study. I want you to study. But guess what? If you do terribly, if you bomb this test, you're still going to get an A. If you, if you mess <laughs> up, if you're disrespectful to me, if you're, if you're, if you're coher- like, it's just, like, if you're the worst student ever, guess what? You're still going to get an A at the end of it. Um, I mean, you got people that take advantage of that, I'm sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, 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 there's, and, there's, and there's, of course, you know, that's not what we would call faith. That's, that's not someone, someone we would say would have faith, someone who takes advantage of that. But the, 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 the concept of, wow, I've, you know, I'm going to get an A in this class even after I, I, I've done everything I could and I still didn't make the cut. I just still didn't mm-hmm. earn it. I still didn't make the standard. And I feel this, I feel this, that, that feeling about me just being here in medical school. Like, I was like, how did they, like, they really think, like, they, I, I didn't do well in undergrad. Like, yeah, I, it's, right. you know what I mean? It's just one of those, like, uh, those, those kinds of gifts, you're right. The ones that you don't think you deserve, the ones that you don't expect are really, truly the, the ones that you remember. Hmm. What else do you want after you die? Man, that's, that's it. That's, that's it for me, man. That's. <laughs> That's all. That's you can't That's you can't get better than that. You can't. There's no way you get better than that. Mm. That's 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 the that is the pinnacle of all things desired for after death. Mm. So then we should wrap it up. Yeah, man. It was a nice little short to the point and kind of. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Yeah, you're you're a man of strong faith, and that shows just in the way you answer. So Jarrell. There are people listening through my phone. They're in the future. They're not, they don't know that they're going to listen to this quite yet, mm-hmm. but they will. And what are some things that you want to say to them? Or maybe something that you'd want to say to a younger, more awkward, smaller Jarrell? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, definitely uh, for, for the people. And just if I could talk to myself, man, it's, it's uh, continue to have faith in God um, because his plan is ultimately going to be better than than your own plan, um, man, you know, talking to, if I could, you know, just talk to myself, it would literally be, man, just continue to follow Christ. It's continue to be faithful. Um, continue to, 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 
to walk in 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 be, being righteous, man. Walking in Christ because He's righteous, man. That's what I would tell myself because I've I've tried to do it myself and it never works out. It, I've tried I've tried to to really key in on my own self and 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 really you know make things happen, but it, it never works out. And I know for sure that that His plans are ultimately better than mine. So so continue to keep the faith. That's that's what I would that's what I would say. Keep the faith, Jarrell. This was. A pleasure. It was, it was. Thank you so much for your time. No problem. For those who don't know, Eugene makes a mean cup of tea that I've been <laughs> sipping on. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, we'll finish our cups of tea. I hope that you listeners enjoyed this. I know that I did. It was it was a blast. And this has been On Death with Jarrell. Thank All you right. so much. You're welcome.